This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is the Limitless Keith Lee. And I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing. Take just one moment and bask in the glory of the Busted Wide Open podcast. Mwah. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. But if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you back to being live on we are, YouTube. We are live. Episode yes. number 139. My name is Nick Howell. Oh, it's so delicious. That is such good shit, Nick. <laughs> I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Busted Wide Open podcast. Nick, I, we have, we, we're live on YouTube. That's very exciting. You know what else is exciting? Everything else that happened this week. Yes. We have such an enormous, there is so much show this week, Nick. So much show. Not only do we have Raw and SmackDown Live, we've got NXT, and they're building towards NXT 25 TakeOver. We've got uh, the best of the Super Juniors is wrapping up over in New Japan. We've got listener questions and uh, something else called uh, AEW. Have you ever heard of this thing, this AEW thing? The entire internet's going to AEW. Apparently, they had some sort of show called Double or Nothing this Holy week. I guess we got to talk about that. I suppose we got to talk about that. But, uh, Nick, before we get into all of that massiveness that we have on this show, we got to do a little housekeeping. Well, the, before we get into the housekeeping, I have to, I'm going to start oh. where I, on the end of where I normally start because what you guys are witnessing is the official online debut of the Naya Shrine. Yeah, so, uh, yes. In case you're wondering why all this Nia Jack stuff is back here, let's recap. Back in January, I did, said something stupid like, we'll never get to, what was it, 20 patrons? Something like 20 patrons. I 20 said, if patrons. we get to 20 patrons, I'll build a shrine to Nia Jax and put it on my wall for everybody on YouTube to be able to see it. Well, insert foot into mouth because there it is, guys. Yes, the beginning, the us. foundation of the Naya Shrine, which over the course of the next year, every time I lose a pay per view, Sir Ian Dangerous will be adding something to it. So, yes. wanted to get that out of the way. There is the debut. There she is in all of her glory. She's going to be standing there staring at all of you every single episode of the show. So, you've got You're that to welcome. look forward to. You're welcome. Yes, if you want to see the Naya Shrine, you can go check us out on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash C, forward slash uh, busted wide open. 
Uh, did I get that right, Nick? I haven't done this in a while. You did. You did. Also, come join us in the Facebook discussion group. Just search for Busted Wide Open on Facebook. We're real easy to find. You definitely want to be in there because that is the hub of our operation. Those folks, fine folks in chat, can uh, can let you know and attest to that. Also, follow us on uh, Twitter at BWO Podcast here on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. Put a little slash live on the end of that as well, and it's a quick, easy link to get to the live stream. But Ian, what, when I, is our well, live stream? It's every Thursday at five Pacific, uh, eight Eastern. Is that it not? is correct? That is correct. Uh, yes. Every single week we're back. This is the first one. Fingers crossed. Everything goes well. There's some more stuff that we got to <laughs> tweak, but we are on the way. It has been a long, long, long road to get here. And you guys have been so patient and thank you very much. I hope it's going to be worth it. The technologies uh, have evolved to make it possible but Ian we have got uh, uh just I can't even begin to comprehend or fathom oh here's the other thing we've got to lay out real quick intentionally you guys Sir Ian Dangerous and I have had zero discussion about double or nothing <laughs> I asked him earlier and he would not say a nope. word about what he thinks was mm -hmm. stone-faced just would not nope. give me any reaction so you guys are going to hear it here first live. Yeah, but to do that, Nick, we have to go and talk about the big news. Oh, boy. So, I mean, I don't even want to call this the big news. This Look, this is the double or nothing recap. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's half of it, actually. We're only doing half here and half later in the show. We're going to yeah. go like match by match in the show later. But, yeah, the big news this week, uh, AEW had their first official show. Not their second, as some may think, because All In was just a completely independent thing, and it was run by the guys who would go on to become AEW, but also Ring of Honor and New Japan had a hand in it. Uh, this was their first completely solo show, uh, which took place this last weekend in Vegas, which was a ton of fun. Uh, I got to go to it, and it was a blast. I got to meet some of our listeners, like uh, Deuce Elefante and uh, Andy Jessup, JBC was there. It was we handed out a bunch of cards. It was a fantastic time. There's also Starcast Two was going out at the same time. We got to meet a bunch of classic wrestlers. Uh, talk to our boys over at Going in Raw who had their own booth in there. Bastards with their with their awesome show. But uh, it was a great time, and I have to say that the show itself was it was a, it was definitely the place to be. Yeah. Last weekend, holy crap, what a show! And several moments where just the top came off the building. A lot of people that war is on between AEW and WWE. I think WWE is kind of no selling it at this point other than a couple of like notes and press conferences and so forth. Right. So forth. But there was a big moment in this show and it's a little controversial. Some people are calling it petty. Uh, I call it uh, advertising. I call it free marketing. I call it uh, definitely t taking a stand. And that was Cody before his match against his brother, Dustin, uh, came out in front of a big, pretty obviously Triple H-y throne chair iron cross thing. And before he went into the ring, he grabbed a sledgehammer, wink, wink, and went up and hit it, and it pretty much exploded in a cloud of smoke. <laughs> so if that's not a sign of uh, we coming for you, Booker T style, I don't know what is. Um, but I thought, it, I thought of it more as like showmanship than like anything really, truly petty. That was my take on it. What did you think about it? 
of that thing individual on its own. That right there. We're going to go piece by piece um, on all this. Okay. So I, I thought that I th- actually enjoyed it. I thought it was a nice get back for Triple H throwing a bit of DX shade at that shitty other company at the Hall of Fame ceremony a couple of months ago before WrestleMania. So quid pro quo. I don't know if that's war. I don't know if I'm ready to declare war as in Monday Night Wars of 1999 and 2000, but but I, I dig it. I like playful jabs, and I like exactly. that it's Triple H and Cody doing it, not like Vince and some other, or Tony Khan, right? It, to me, it actually feels a little bit more playful because it's it's Cody and Triple H. And, you know, if you're talking about a guy who was doing a lot of the prankster stuff uh, at WCW back in the 90s, I mean, the, the quote-unquote invasion of WCW that DX did with the tank and everything, that's as much a goof as anything else. Right. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't serious. So th- this whole... Uh, shtick that Cody did here, I thought was fun. I thought sure. DX calling him out at, at the Hall of Fame. I thought that's fun. This is all a work. It's it's all it's all playful back and forth. Um, excuse me, it's not a work. I think this is this is absolutely. The, uh, excuse me, it is a work. Well, I don't. I'm working myself at this point. <laughs> it's it's. <laughs> I don't think they're taking it as seriously as some people on the internet are making it out to be. At least not at this point. I I don't think that AEW is anywhere near at a point where WWE is taking them. Seriously, um, they're competition, but they're not serious competition yet. They're another company that has a lot of potential. Yeah, I mean, That's let's, it. let's let's hang on a second. Let's take everybody take a timeout and a breath after this weekend because congratulations, you did your first pay per view. Yeah, let us know it. when you get to a thousand episodes of weekly episodic television. You know, it, there's because there's lessons you're going to learn along the way. There's hardships and experiences with talent. And with production and television contracts, you're going to be experiencing all of that stuff again. Now, you're, you're set up really nice with the con billionaires and brought Ted Turner back to wrestling. So I, you've got some really good things going for you. Um, sure. But let's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So that's, well, in I, your opinion, that's why I pumped the brakes just a little bit. After watching this show then, on that note, do you think that this is, that this pay-per-view, how it went off, do you think that this was the sign of good things to come, or was it another fluke, kind of like All In was a fluke? Uh, they, they got this one right, but they're going to have troubles in the future. What did you think? This was anything but a fluke. Okay. I, I honestly cannot think of one single thing that I turned my nose up or th- did not like about this, this event. But you criticisms. We you would have criticisms of things you would say. Ah, I would change this. I would do that differently. This needs to be worked on. But nothing that you were straight up like throw that out. No, there was nothing that I would throw out. There's probably nothing that I. I mean, the 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 battle royal was a little hit and miss. It had its moments. It was a necessary evil to introduce us to a lot of the roster without ha- them having solo singles matches. So I I, I understand. Uh, it was. I loved the naming of casino re- related names. So you had the buy-in as a pre-show. You had. Uh, you've got double or nothing. You've got fight for the fallen. All uh, I like that. For we go from all in to d- now we're doubling down, double or nothing. Right. Mm. Very very. I love the clever naming in there. Uh, the matches. I had a little bit of a hard time keeping up with the six woman tag match. That was about. Uh, but it was still fantastic. 
one of my favorite matches. That my, I think my only criticism of the show, my biggest criticism, was Alex Marvez as an announcer, which I didn't see live. I had to go back and watch later, and I was kind of like, he's really not good. Uh, but on the Excalibur, flip side of that, how freaking good was Excalibur, our boy from PWG? He Just was fantastic. nailing it. Right up there with Jim Ross. And Ross also, by the way, we were worried about Jim Ross because of just how kind of lackluster he was recently with New Japan. And he, I feel like he's found his stride. He, you can tell he's passionate and he wants to bring his brand to this show. Yeah. Um, and there was moments where his play calls gave me those, you know, nostalgia chills. So, yeah, good stuff. Nick, we, we got a ton of shows, so we can't really dawdle here. We got to talk about the, the big, big news for this show, and that was John Moxley Oof. to AEW confirmed. Oh. He came out at the end. John came down. The former Dean Ambrose came down out of the stands. I can tell you right now that's one of the biggest pops I've ever experienced live. Uh, that crowd went absolutely bat shit crazy. Uh as did I when he came out because, you know, all these weeks and months of speculation, boom, there you go. Finally paid off. He's, he's there. And not only was he there, which was a big deal, but later in the week, the Chris Jericho podcast released an episode entitled the emancipation of John Moxley, which I'm going to go on record right now as saying is the most important single wrestling podcast episode since Colt Cabana interviewed CM Punk after he left WWE. Agreed. Um, I am not saying that with any hyperbole. If you are in any way interested about the creative process of WWE, what uh, was going on in Dean slash John's mind for the last year, and and also Jericho, it, this is a must, must listen. It is riveting from start to finish, with the exception perhaps of the extremely sadistic commercial breaks that Jericho takes. <laughs> um, if you haven't heard Jericho's commercial breaks, they're ridiculous. He'll go, he'll go from uh, John Moxley being like, yeah, and that's why I was really depressed all last year. You know what makes me depressed? Not having some Omaha steaks. If you like Omaha steaks, it's brutal. <laughs> It's brutal. But this podcast is not brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Oh, my God. It is not. But if you heard that, call us. Yeah. Um, but here, okay, so a couple of things I want to get into about the Moxley podcast. Just I, I stopped okay. really quickly. And just a couple of things that he brought up. Because we could do, and we may do for the patrons, a whole separate show just on the revelations of John Moxley, right. the the stuff that he went through over the last year and the implications for the WWE and its creative process overall. That's a whole hour, Nick, and we don't have that kind of time today. Um, but he had he revealed stuff like mostly about the last year, about how when he turned, like how botched his heel turn was, how Vince thought that uh, that absolutely atrocious inoculation bit. Uh, where he was getting shots in the ass while cutting a promo on Seth Rollins. Vince thought that wasn't comedy. He thought it was dead serious. He thought it would get over and get Dean heat. And Dean was fighting to not have to do that awful bit uh, or change it somehow. Apparently, Vince also, not only, remember that line that Dean had about Roman's cancer? Right. That was just god-awful. You know, basically, you deserved cancer. Yeah. Um, and Dean was just apparently disgusted that he said it. Well, Vince apparently had an even worse line that he wanted Dean to say labor, later, and he refused, saying that if I say that, you will lose sponsors. Susan G. Komen will back out. Like, I can't say that, dude. Um, 
so you know it, it, that sort of thing. Vince Vince being totally down to exploit Roman's cancer, um, just having no idea of what made a good segment or what made a good speech. Um, j- how long ago he wanted to get it? He wanted to get out in July of 2018. And he had to be out for his entire injury and then come back and have that horrible heel turn and then finally get out. Um, there was a lot of stuff on this podcast. Again, stuff we, we're going to hold off on until we can do a whole show on it. But of what, you listen to this podcast. You listen to this podcast as twice. well. The Jericho. <laughs> I listened to this thing twice. What was your number one takeaway from it? Uh, but the, the quickest, the first one that comes to mind is he said, Vince Jedi mind tricked him. And I, I thought that was hilarious. Over and over and over. He, he like baby has a Jedi him. mind trick. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that because a lot of bosses do that, a lot of executive leadership will do that in corporate stuff where they're, you don't realize that you're getting punished and fired, but they're, there's, they're smooth talking you and telling you what a great job you're doing while they're firing you. Right. The other little factoid. Remember that? She, so we were saying how nice WWE was to him on the way out. Like, like, yeah, he's jobbing to everybody, but at least they're showing him a lot and they're not just completely burying him. Apparently he was like, no, they were burying me. Like, yeah, they made me bump to Nia Jax. No offense to Nia Jax, but the way that they were doing the storyline around it made me look like an idiot. Um, they for the that shield special, we were like, dude, they're giving him a whole shield special on the way out. What nice guys they're putting him over on the way out. He got paid $500 for the Shield special that was ostensibly about him, which is less than a background extra makes. $500. So when just when we thought WWE was not being petty for once, we were wrong. And apparently there was some serious, typical pettiness going on behind the scenes the entire time. Right craziness the the video that he did it it can't he you know he also called out that he spent eight thousand dollars of his own money for the uh prison escape video to you know introduce as a teaser john moxley he also said they're working on a feature length version of it and hello you have my attention i would watch the (laughs) shit out of that yeah i'm excited for at this point anything he does has my attention because he's very obviously feeling liberated and feeling like he can go out and do stuff the interesting thing about it is he started the whole thing saying that he has no hard feelings towards wwe he grew up there he felt like he became a man there he met his wife there and he really did put them over as having a lot of positives he felt like the make-a-wish program that they did was really important and he was really happy to be have been a part of that um, it was funny. He started off saying all these good things about them and, and then said, okay, let's spend two hours burying them now. Right. Now let's so, bury the entire company. <laughs> for two hours. <laughs> right. Which is kind of what he did. So uh, stepping outside of that, because again, we can get back to that for a whole other show. Um, how many other people do you think in WWE feel that way? Because Meltzer says he knows of at least double digits, like 10 plus people that feel the same way. Like, are they just, do they not have the cachet and the options that Moxley does? And they're just, they're scared? Because he says that, uh, Meltzer says at least 10 plus people have inquired about leaving, like if they could leave. And you look at guys like Luke Harper, who's getting frozen out until possibly next year because he wants to leave. Yeah. Um, like this isn't something like Dean Ambrose had a, he, you know, he did his time, he got out and he keeps all of his options and all of his, uh, residuals. Some guys are going to get screwed if they try to leave. Like, how many of the people do you think want to leave, and how many of the people do you think can at this point? I mean, Sasha Banks immediately comes to mind. That's, and by the, hold on, real quick, because you were down on Sasha, and you think you thought she was pour, holding a temper tantrum. Does this? Does what he is talking about the creative process make you rethink that at all? A little bit, yeah. 
I mean, yeah, a lot. It makes there's a reason I listened to it twice because it changes it. That whole conversation between him and Jericho was ten percent. My my job, and the rest of it was like, oh my god. Dean Ambrose gives zero f's, spends all his own money on all of his own stuff, just wants to be a wrestler, and he's still out here saying a lot of this stuff. So, yes, imagine how the people that spend all of their money are insecure about their lives, maybe carrying a bunch of debt, need the job, need the contracts, all of, yeah, but on the inside, they're just shattered individuals because they have no outlet, no recourse, uh, or any ability to break away from it. It's It's yeah. kind of this huge contrast to someone like Brock Lesnar that just gives everything the finger shows up four or five times a year but probably is getting the biggest payday of any other superstar on the roster so you compound all of that together and man it just has to be you're getting Rochambeau constantly every week on Monday Night Raw yeah Dean called Vince out for having a quote million dollar man complex and just spending and spending all his billions of dollars on Brock Lesnar to ruin his company. So yeah, it's, it's, you're not wrong. Like it's, it's crazy to see these, like, you know, guys like the revival who are insanely talented and they're just not getting any TV time. We didn't see them this week at all. They're sitting there going, what do we have to do? Right. Um, it it is kind of crazy to see. And so to get this perspective, uh, you know, kind of confirmed for a lot of, for a lot of us who really pay attention to this, um, smarks, uh, and, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's it's a confirmation of a lot of things that we've kind of suspected and we've hoped isn't the case. You know, we're like, oh, well, maybe Uncle Dave is wrong. You know, maybe a lot of the the kind of speculation about what goes on at WWE or the things that the, the ex writers that come out and that tell us these things. Maybe that was just their experience, um, you know, that, but no, that's that seems to be really how it is. Yeah. So as once again, we're getting confirmation of that another big bombshell gets dropped. It's pretty crazy. Um, and I don't know if there's anyone out there who still thinks this is a work. I've got a friend who's a wrestling buddy who still thinks that Vince is funding AEW and this is all a work to get competition to make his own company better. He's creating his own competition. You know, like that, that would actually be kind of brilliant. But I don't. I, it, that man can't even write consistent storylines every single week because we have things like the wild card. So I, I have in no way think that he's capable of orchestrating something like that. So, I, hey man, uh, it's a conspiracy theory, but uh, just letting you know that it's out there. So uh, moving forward, Moxley is now officially in AEW. He said he would have gone anywhere. It didn't matter if AEW was there or not. He just wanted out. But he landed at AEW. Not only AEW, he's also going to New Japan. He's got a match against Juice Robinson coming up. We'll talk about that later in the show. Um, he, we know that he's going to be doing some more things. He's got uh, a match with Joey Janela at AEW's next show, Fighter Fest, which if you know Joey Janela, um, th- it looks like Dean's going to go back to hardcore stuff right away. Awesome. And I, I, kind I, of what I, we've always one. wanted, right? We've said it before many times. Uh, he's in a company with Darby Allen, Joey Janela, and Jimmy Havoc. Sit on that for a second. That's go- like <laughs> this, it's going to be insanity. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we're seeing a jigsaw to the forehead again, but it's going to be some insanity. Um, so do you think that Moxley is going to be a champion in either of these companies anytime in the near future? His, it's, it's, he's got a title match 
against Juice Robinson for the North American cha- for the U.S. Championship. Uh, he's got uh, you know the potential of going for the championship in AEW once they get that established. Like, how quickly do you think he's going to be a champion? It, it begs the question of how uh, how much AEW and New Japan are going to work together because does does John Moxley bring the IWGP U United States Championship to AEW? Maybe. I don't. I mean, as we long saw as the Triple H championships to, there, so, yeah. tag championships. So I don't know. As long as he actually doesn't have a problem with it, like Pac does. But you know, well. that that would be nice to see. I do know there's a rumor that he might be in the G1 this year. Oh. Moxley the G1. Yeah, I'm just some, I'm going to ruminate on that for a second and just put put some ice down your pants and then listen to this. They also announced uh, All Out, the sequel to All In, will be taking place in Chicago, Illinois, August 31st. The first champion of AEW will be crowned. Uh, if you didn't watch the show, spoilers, it's going to be Hangman Page versus Chris Jericho. Uh, one of those two guys will be the first champion of AEW. We will break down how that happened later on in the show. But that matches at All Out, August 31st. Uh, so things that the future is bright for AEW. A lot of people are talking about them very positively. That's the big news, Nick, is just AEW came out the gates swinging. Oof. Uh, and they they have my full undivided attention. I'm very pleasantly surprised. I did not expect to be that into it. I, I expected to write half of it off to just hype and be like, okay, we've got another impact or another ring of honor on our hands. No way. I'm I don't want to it's too punny, but I'm all in. I am I am I all invested on AEW. I cannot wait until the TV weeklies get here. Um, I, I'm assuming it's going to be later this summer, this fall. We'll see uh, when all of that actually starts up. But Ian, we can't Absolutely, spend uh, this whole show talking about AEW. You know, we uh, just had our longest big news <laughs> segment ever, Nick, uh, on AEW. So, but uh, but you're right, man. That's after that, we still have so much show to get to, and we have to go talk about WWE now. So let's let's cut to the chase and go talk about Monday Night Raw. Okay, on Monday Night Raw, there are a few things that I have to uh, I have to come clean on and admit this week. Um, okay, the, the Beast Box thing is getting over with me hard. Oh Lord! For uh, those of you who didn't watch it, Brock Lesnar uh, last week came out mugging like the uh, WWE Money in the Bank briefcase was a, a boombox, and they just they went <clears throat> pardon the pun all in with it this week by actually putting speakers on the back of the damn thing, and apparently it's actually it's actually putting out music no you um, could if you looked on the bottom of the case on the front of it when he had it on his up, shoulder yeah. it had one of the remote belt uh mic, mic that, clip on like, it yeah. so it had like a lapel mic attached to it somewhere and they, they were actually playing music out of it over the pa in the arena uh, okay <laughs> uh-oh i yeah i uh, i i have to say that aspect of it doesn't get over with me brock dancing like a maniac is actively hilarious. Yeah. Uh, the the thing is, is that for the longest time, Brock has been built up like this monster guy, and this kind of takes that down a notch. But I think that's necessary for where he is right now. We kind of have to defang him a little bit because otherwise we look at Kofi next to him and we go, uh, no, there's, there's no way, Kofi. You, you just can't. Yeah. Now we actually go, okay, Brock's dancing around being a little goofy. All right, he doesn't seem quite as invulnerable as Invincible. There's also a couple of goofy things that he did this week, like not knowing that the Money in the Bank contract was only good for a year. Um, The whole thing was kind of goofy. 
uh, him him joking with Seth Rollins. Like he just he didn't seem like he was taking anything very seriously this week. Uh, so that yeah, that I think works in the long term for Brock's booking. But I don't know in the short term it it, it didn't it's not quite working for me. What does it work for you? What what about it do you like so much? Well, I think we need to talk about like what went down on the show and kind of revisit it because the things that, that look I liked him coming out and taunting both of them, but I want to talk about one negative both thing Kofi first. And Seth. Both Kofi yes. and Seth. I what happened to Money in the Bank where you announce in advance? Because I remember Braun, they made Braun do it last year too. Yeah. What What are you doing? Like the whole point is to do exactly what Bailey did, and what Alexa Bliss did last year, and it's the surprise rundown cash in. The biggest pop, arguably, in WWE history was when Seth Rollins surprisingly ran out at the end of WrestleMania with that briefcase he'd been carrying around for almost a year. That was nowhere near the biggest pop in uh, WWE history. Maybe in the modern era, but, you know, go back and watch the Attitude Era again. Stone Cold, okay. but that well, gra- the glass breaking. Right. Just If there was any ahead. equivalent to a glass shatter happening in the modern era, yeah, it was, was Seth it. Rollins running out at Mania with that briefcase. Okay. Yeah. So I... <laughs> but I, this I, I, just whole, I know what you're saying. thing I just can't get past. Well, I know what you're saying. I I think they're playing this like he's trying to psychologically get into Kofi and Seth's heads, and they're just like, "Would you just cash in on me already?" And he's like, "No, no, I can do it whenever I want, and I'm going to." And this whole thing is about him psychologically messing with them, which you know, fine. The problem is, it meant that the first hour of Raw was Brock coming out and taunting Kofi and Seth, Seth walking off disgusted, Kofi getting jumped from the back by Dolph Ziggler. Okay. Um, and then, uh, then we had an extra. It was weird because it felt like they didn't know what they were doing. Ziggler runs off into the crowd, and then suddenly, as Kofi is getting helped to the back by uh, Woods and some medical staff, Ziggler comes back, and then brawls with Xavier Woods for like ten minutes, forever. And then finally, uh, he tr- he gets Woods' chair and head in a chair in the ring, and then Kingston comes back out and saves him. And then Ziggler basically does the same promo he did last week. It should have been me. Um, which, by the way, I, I kind of dig the way he – it's not a great line. It's not a great concept. But he's selling it really well um, by being just so over-the-top whiny. But at the same time, like this, this was a ton of the show. And then we went into another talking bit, by the way, that was just talk, talk, talk. And then Xavier Woods and Dolph Ziggler brawl that went on for way too long. Like, you just had your asses handed to you over the weekend by Double or Nothing. This is what you come out with? Can I Also, you started out your wrestling program, and I actually watched the clock this week. I was very – this was one of the few times where I, I took three hours out of the week that I typically don't have a lot of surplus of, and I watched Raw Live. We were very active about it in the Busted Wide Open group on Facebook. But I actually watched the clock. After the hit that Double or Nothing was on Saturday, you took nearly an hour, right at 50 minutes, before any physicality happened on Monday Night Raw. And then the first thing that it was was Shane McMahon beating up uh, Joe uh, Rollins' uh, Reigns's cousin. Lance Anawaii. Lance, yes. thank you. Uh, beating him down just to get Roman. Why didn't Roman come running out when he was getting beat down? He waited till afterwards. Was he busy in catering or something? There was a there was a lot of why did Roman wait going on this week, but I don't even want to talk about that right now. I want to talk about it took an hour for me to see a wrestling match. And honestly, when we saw that in the Lance and Hawaii match, there were chants of this is awful, AEW, and this is boring. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Uh, oh, they don't know what they're crazy. talking about. Yeah, so it's crazy. They they turn on him real hard right there. <laughs> um, but the fact that you know Shane McMahon is now kind of the lead, one of the lead bad guys on both shows, pure authority angle. He's even got goons. Uh, Elias and Drew McIntyre are his goons now. So this was yeah, and then Reigns came out to save his heroically save his cousin. Ooh, Shane, Yay. I'll get you for that one. I'll get you for that one. Um, ran him off. But, uh, you know, and then we had uh, Brock coming back out later in the show to continue what we did at the top of the show and get in Seth's face, have Seth call him a coward, and then have Brock, for some reason, not know he had a year to cash his money in the bank contract and then get mad at Paul Heyman, and then they, the whole segment just ended. It was incomprehensible. I was, I was like, what are, you guys, what are you guys doing? Did you not plan anything here? It seemed like it was so rushed and, and, and didn't really add up so yeah yeah the, um, the Heyman reading the contract and Brock interrupting him off mic going wait I, I can wait a year I, I only I have actually a year. really I only have part. a year yeah it was funny but it made no sense is yeah. my point yeah that's a good point um so other stuff we had on the show besides all of that stuff which I like I said I can't really wrap my head around um we had Becky uh, Becky Lynch and Nikki Cross versus the Iconics um, which I had a Why? couple of questions about, which, well, it was Becky just seemed like she didn't want to be there for the first place. Uh, Nikki, for some reason, they're now, uh, selling as being a bullied schoolgirl. They said that, you know, there's the commentators were going off about how she was bullied in high school by these mean girls. And I'm like, when has that ever been Nikki Cross's gimmick or anything even close to it? How does that in any way support the, the stuff she's always done? Yeah, like that. It was, I was like, wait, she's what now? She's <laughs> what? What are you saying she is? Uh, so that made made no sense. Again, the iconics get beaten um, with uh, Lynch. Lynch beating. I don't even know who. She, I don't even remember who she been. Peyton Royce, I think, with uh, with a slam. Um, and then at the end, Lacey Evans comes out, does her catwalk, and leaves. What? Once again, you so the Iconics now have held the tag team titles, the women's tag team titles, for longer than Sasha and Bailey did, and they've also defended them less. Um, but and they've have also they actually won any wrestling matches. None where they had to defend the titles, but everything else, pretty much, I think, with the exception of like one or two matches, they've lost. Yeah. I have to look at my notes, but they've lost everything. It's it's incomprehensible booking. I know Vince didn't want the women's tag titles in the first place, and so now he doesn't know what to do with them. But this is getting painful, and I don't know why you have the hottest woman in your company, in Becky Lynch, in the middle of this, where people were. I mean, she was a hot tag. She came in hot, and the whole crowd cheered. But nothing like what she was getting. Like this is this could be this. She should be so much more. You have so many other women who could have been in the ring with Nikki Cross here. Uh, I know you had to get Bailey on TV or Becky on TV, and to reestablish that she and Lacey still have a thing going, but. Yeah, again, more incomprehensible booking. I'm not sure the story they're trying to tell here for any of these women. Yeah, I, I like the fact that they're getting Nikki involved in stuff finally, six, eight months later. But sure, it, it, on it, where's this women's tag division that we started up? Is it just where's all these teams? They did a whole video package for Fire and Desire this Which week. Which I liked. It, it was good. Right, but yes. are they going to wrestle as a tag team soon? Because... Are they going to compete for the championship not. soon? We're still all Mandy. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. Where's but, Sonya right. in this picture? 
Well, hopefully more of Sonya. I love Sonya. We'll get to her in a second when okay. we get to SmackDown. But we got to get to something I liked on on Raw this week. Because um, here's the thing. Every time, you know, I, I we can't consistently bash the product because as much bad as there is, there's so much good. And there's so much talent there. And that's something that listening to the Moxley uh, podcast, it really did drive home, is that so many people there are insanely talented and they get their legs cut out from underneath them on a regular basis. And some of them are just good at making crap work. They're yeah. given crap and they make it work. Uh, and then sometimes it's just they're let go out there and their athleticism speaks for itself. And we had a match that on paper I would not have been excited about and wasn't excited about until I watched it. And that was the fatal four way for the universal title shot at Super Showdown. And it was Lashley versus uh, Baron Corbin versus Miz versus Braun Strowman. Right off the bat, it was kind of dumb because we know that Strowman and Lashley have a match. So we know they're they're not winning. So it's between Corbin or Miz. Here's the thing, though. Why did they make this it an was, elimination match, though? I don't understand that either. And then because it didn't matter at the end because Strowman and Lashley just brawled off into the crowd and, quote, eliminated themselves. Sure. Like, it didn't matter if it was elimination or not. It's just I think it just made they had to make it elimination because it didn't make sense to have. Well, I guess it made you one person pins. I don't know. It was, again, I don't know, Nick. I don't know. What is happening? I don't know. Um, but no, it ended up with uh, with Corbin going over Miz. Corbin's going to be challenging Seth Rollins. Fine, whatever. It's Super Showdown. We're going to watch the show for all of you listeners so that you don't have to watch it because <sighs> Lord knows. I don't know. I don't know anyone who's excited about this show. Right. But I was excited about this match because – by God, this started off like a typical Monday Night Raw, these four guys, like, match would be. Like, all right, whatever. The second half, all of these guys opened the hell up in ways I have not seen in a long time. Braun was doing some straight cardio out there. That dude was hauling ass all over the place, running into guys, picking them up, flipping them. He was doing some work. Uh, Lashley had a move where Braun was running at him. He jumped out of the way. He jumped from the floor onto the ring apron the way that you or I would jump up on a curb on a sidewalk. And I don't, I don't know if y'all are athletic out there listening to this show. What he did so casually is freaking insane. Insane to jump out of the way. Yeah. Uh, the Miz had some insane babyface fire in this where he was getting his car. He went into another gear at the end of this, beating up on Corbin. And Corbin did his part, but he was, he was where he should have been all the time. All his moves were crisp as hell. I was really impressed with the second half of this match. Yep. It guy got me sitting up on the couch, I'll tell you that. Uh, I like so. the dynamic between, I, and I'm, I, I'm finding myself surprised to say this, Corbin and Miz, I actually enjoyed it. You know? Yeah. It's, I, I, I don't want to like Corbin, and I think that's the point. <laughs> I think that's, that's kind exactly of the what he's going for, and yes. it's working on me, and I really, really want to like the Miz as a face, and it's working on me. So the two of them paired together are kind of an unlikely duo that, that actually kind of works. It's got to be so hard to be a heel these days, like a true, proper heel. Yeah. Because it's so easy to be liked as a heel. Like, if you do your job too well, people are going to like, well, I begrudgingly like that guy because he's kind of fun. It's hard to be a dude who you street people to straight don't like you and not have it turn into go-away heat. Right. You know what I mean? I think I think one thing that we saw at AEW Double or Nothing was that MJF may be the greatest heel promo out there right now. He's definitely on his on his path to it. I think he's uh, my new favorite wrestler. Holy crap! Uh, he I don't know I, I'm not going to go that far, but uh, he's definitely a talented heel in this era. But the problem is he's 
he is able to get over with his heel promos, but people also kind of, they like him too because he's so charismatic in his assholery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baron Corbin is just off-putting. And he's a very, he's, I think he's a talented wrestler. He's got a lot of upside. Um, but he's walking that line with the go-away heat. And I think a lot of people just want to discredit him because he's, frankly, he's working as a heel. Yeah. So... It's just, uh, he, he runs the risk of being boring, and that's the problem is that as a heel, you have to still not be boring but not get over. Yeah. It's such a tough line. Anyway, um, moving on. The 24-7 title showed up. R-Truth did a run through in the ring chased by all of the poor mid-carters who we never see on TV. Hey, remember that time when uh, Cedric Alexander got called up to Raw and I called him the next Apollo Crews? Yep. Those were good times, wasn't it? Yep. Well, now he's chasing up the 24-7 title, and he has a quick little cameo, and he's gone. <laughs> good times. Good times. Uh, former cruiserweight of, champion. Former. Jesus. Uh, remember when they were chanting, please sign Cedric? Where yeah. is he now? Um, so also, so get, speaking of awkward, the third hour of Raw is apparently they're now going more, uh, quote unquote, raw with it. They're getting, they're changing the lighting so the crowd is darker. It looks a little more edgy. And they're doing things like putting people in electric chairs. Not for any other reason than it's supposed to be an uncomfortable chair in which you sit and have the audience ask you questions. Um, this week it was Sami Zayn who was in the chair, and they had Caleb Braxton and Sarah Schreiber, all the other all the other ring uh, interviewers out in the audience, seemingly interviewing real people. Like it seemed unscripted, or at least they may have vetted the questions, but it was still real people in the audience asking them, which yeah. I liked. I liked Sami Zayn just, you know doing his good heel shtick and, and, and tearing them all down. Um, and I like the fact that they got a really nice – one of the people that asked the question was a, a little girl who's obviously a big Becky Lynch fan asking Sammy if he ever thought they'd get the ginger snaps. What do you thought about the ginger snaps now? Um, which Sammy very snarkly responded, why don't you ask me about Seth Rollins instead? And, uh, and then he also said to the little girl, uh, you know, are you talking about Becky Lynch? And she comes back with, duh. Brilliant. That's the kind. That's some good stuff that I, I think with this segment going forward, you like TV moments you can have. But overall, do you think that this idea for a segment is going to work in the long term, or is this another crazy Vince idea? Crazy, another crazy Vince idea. Why call it the electric chair if there's not going to be any electricity involved? Why not just call it the hot seat or something <laughs> like that? Because um, it's I, raw. Nick. It's I raw. actually thought that he would be strapped into uh, a buzzer or some sort. If he answered a question wrong and somebody would be able to like Rick Moranis at the beginning of Ghostbusters. Sure. Sure. Exactly. Exactly. So I electric chair. Ooh, electric chair segment. Did we really need all that (laughs) pomp in order to get to it? It could have just been on Ms. TV. It could have just been the hot seat, some segment, but it's just another segment of more talking. I appreciate Sami Zayn's ability to tear down random fans and their ability to take it. That one little girl, Izzy, is kind of internet famous now, insta-famous, because she tried to grab the mic uh, away from, uh, from Kayla Braxton and say more stuff, and Kayla just yanked it back from her. And then Sammy said, you guys could ask me anything. You could have asked me about AEW. Ooh, and then Ooh. Seth Rollins' movie, music <laughs> hits, and he and Seth have a match, which Seth wins, of course. Right. But, but at least Sammy was, in, Sammy was in the main event, and he had this big... Like, that was, that was reassuring to me, was that they obviously know that they've got a good talker in Sammy and a pretty good heel character. Yeah. Um, you know, however they're booking him, whatever, at least... They're letting him get out there and get TV time. 
So for me, wait and see on the electric chair segment. Like I, I think there's potential there. Um, but at the same time, some of the aspects of it are, are typically awkward. Yeah. So wait Not and a see. Huge fan. Um, Wouldn't be mad if it never showed up again. Same, but intrigued if it does. Uh, I, I don't think it should always be Sammy. Like get someone new out there, but I'm curious to see what they do with it. Yeah. Uh, something, uh, something else good this week. Firefly Funhouse was back again with a much darker twist. Uh, Bray Wyatt says that uh, this week we found out that his masked alter ego is called The Fiend. Uh, All right. Yeah, okay. Like that. You have my like attention. <laughs> um, he had a little interaction with Abby the Witch where uh, it was revealed that Abby was in some sort of limbo and that Bray was keeping her there. Like it was it was a bunch of good, subtle or not so subtle, creepy, like added details to what the heck ev- else is going on with Bray Wyatt's character. And then at the end, the reintroduction of the spider walk where uh, when Abby said, I'm in a limbo, Bray said, do you say limbo? And a couple of miserable kids holding a limbo stick show up and Bray spider walks underneath it. Good stuff all around. Like, again, creating more lore around his character, um, creating more of a world for it. As we said since the beginning, man, I'm loving everything he's doing, but the tale of the tape is going to be when this gets introduced into the world of WWE, how is it going to mesh? You know, how will Vince get it and will the writers get it and get like, okay, this is what you have to do to keep this world viable because so far I think it's a, it's a great world. It is. Bray has to maintain control of it. That's, that's really (laughs) my, my big takeaway. Vince can't run wild and like make him ride this painted unicorn down the ramp or something stupid. That's new day. That's new day. You know what I mean though? So it's stuff like that. Like, Bring back some pyro for him. Do some kind of thing, you know? I, I don't know. Make uh, it real. Let Bray continue to own the development of this character. Let him, I don't know, win a match. You know? He's got to win. Yep. He has to win. You've been saying uh, that from the beginning. That's the whole thing. I have. It's That's none it. of he this. All of this is going to be for naught if he doesn't he go out, out and destroy some dudes for the first couple of months. He, he comes out and jobs to Drew McIntyre. It's all over. Uh, Speaking of winning, Ricochet picked up a win, 50-50 booking, baby, on Cesaro uh, in a fantastic match. A lot of their spots from their old matches back in PWG in the early teens, uh, like like almost spot for spot, some of these things. But those were great matches, so not mad at it. Fantastic match, which you didn't see if you watched Hulu. But it is on YouTube, so check it out. But, uh, yeah, they seem to be trading wins. I, I for one, love the fact that letting these two guys work together. But, dear God, give them more. Like, don't make this a mid-card thing. This is incredible stuff. Put this higher up. Give them a story. You, you've seen what these guys can do in the ring and the, the stories they can tell with their matches. Give them something to work with. Because otherwise, this is just a showcase. We already know they're both athletic. Right. Why aren't you making money off of that? You could be making money off of this. Uh, we also know that Rey Mysterio is relinquishing his title next week due to a shoulder injury which he sustained in the match where he beat Samoa Joe, and Samoa Joe was gloating about it, so we're going to see what's going to happen with the U.S. title next week. And finally, Nick, a question for you. Who are the current Raw Tag Team Champions? I honestly don't know. <laughs> you know what's funny? Uh, it's, it is still, it's not, it's not the Revival. It's not the Usos. No, no. It's, still Hawkins uh, and Ryder? It's still Hawkins the writer. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, but you wouldn't know that from watching this show. No. Because, you know, tag teams. Right. Woo. Woo. 
<laughs> and it's funny because Raw, ha- Raw has the stacked tag division now, right? Didn't we say after the shakeup that SmackDown got gutted and Raw has everybody? And now they've yanked the Usos over there as part of the wild card thing. <laughs> so, what? Yeah, and it's a crazy thing. On SmackDown, it's an hour less of a show, but we actually had a segment about tag teams. But to talk about that, we have to go talk about SmackDown Live. Well, before we talk about the tag stuff, we have to talk about what went down with the brand new 24-7 title. Uh, it, uh, so I'm going to let you do the, most of the heavy lift here because oh, I am Thank mostly you. mad at the fact that Shane McMahon just made up a rule for Roman Reigns that he for Elias. Could, for Elias, excuse yeah, me. Well, let me, let me explain that what happened because we had a Shane McMahon appreciation segment where Shane got to come out and talk about how great he was. They had a whole video package of his whole history. I, I don't know if, if they think this is going to get more heel heat on Shane. Like, I don't know about you, dude. I'm caring less and less and less about Shane as an authority figure heel. Yeah. They're, like, I've, I was loving his and Miz's feud, and now I'm just starting to get... Now it's bled into it. Elias. Now it's bled into Roman Reigns. It's going to continue to be involved in other wrestlers. I, I just... I just don't care. I don't it should care, have been anyway, Miz at WrestleMania. <laughs> no, it should have been Shane at WrestleMania, uh, but I wish their feud was continuing and coming to a, a close instead of having Roman Reigns suddenly be the big anti-authority figure. But before we got to that, while Shane was giving his promo, into the ring runs R-Truth, chased by Drake Maverick, who he'd run into in the back hallway earlier in the show. And, of course, this did not make Shane very happy, so he had his goons, Drew McIntyre. I'm so happy he's a goon. Yeah. Uh, Drew McIntyre and Elias beat down on R-Truth when Elias got a little, you know, inspiration and realized that, wait a minute, if I pin him, I'm the new 24-7 champ, so that's what he did. He pinned R-Truth, became the 24-7 champ, at which point Shane said, you know what, I think we have a great idea here. Uh, I'm still mad at Roman Reigns. Why don't we have a tag match later in the show between Roman Reigns and R-Truth and uh, Drew McIntyre and Elias? And Elias, by the way, 24-7 rule is suspended temporarily until the end of that match. Okay. Uh, arbitrarily. Okay, arbitrarily. Uh and then, so we, later on, we had that match. At the end of it, Roman Reigns, of course, picks up the win with the big spear and then drags R-Truth over to the prone corpse of Elias and has him pin him again and gets him his title back. So that was basically the, the 24-7 shenanigans on the show. Uh, what did you think of, like, what were your ups and downs on this? Uh, besides the fact that Roman Reigns was got away with another shitty spear and... You know, I this ho I, I'm so over Shane O'Mac. Almost to the levels okay. of you being done with, with Roman Reigns, I'm I'm done and bored with, with Shane McMahon. Like mm. I, I am I'm that done with it. It's a good thing that they're in a feud heading towards a match at Super Showdown then, isn't it? Right, the, exactly. The two of them together. Yeah. So uh, we we talked about this last week. We're in this what feels like a short term thing to set up matches or the last week and this week to head to Super Showdown next week. But hopefully all this shit blows over. I'm not confident it will, but I, can, no. can we just get like a Roman and Elias feud without a Shane McMahon, without a Drew McIntyre, without interferences? I mean, can we just get some kind of straight storyline going here that doesn't involve 27 different people? No, they won't let us have it. I don't even mind all the different people involved in it. The problem is, is that it's just another tried trope 
with the anti-authority angle, but it's uh, it's lazily done where it's, it's there's nothing exciting and new coming in with the authority stuff. And Roman Reigns is not the guy that you know I really feel is that anti-authority to begin with. That's not his strength. Uh, and in a, like that's something you give to like a upper mid Carter who you want to get over. You don't give it to your very obviously top guy. Uh, you know the guy one of the one of two guys by the way that since the wild card rule was put into effect has been on every show. He wild carded every single week. Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn wild carded every single week. FYI. Uh, but so t- two things I wanted to say about this. One was uh, when people booed the uh, the Shane video package. Yeah. He said, "There's no re- there's no need to boo Kevin Dunn," which I thought was a cute little wink. <laughs> I just want to note. I wanted to note that that yeah. was a cute little bit. But I wanted to note the fact that at the end of all of this, fine, they're building up towards the match. You've got the goons getting in the way. All right, typical. Nothing exciting here, unfortunately. But it is what it is. Um, it did get the crowd involved. They did like the match. Fine, whatever. It's it's. But I, I just didn't think there was anything exciting or new here. No, of course not. But 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 what frustrated me was Roman Reigns having a very obvious like classic Hulk Hogan, classic John Cena moment, where here's Elias, a champion, lying prone on the ground, and you have the opportunity to pin him and gain a title, and instead what he did was go and pick up the prone body of R-Truth and drag him over. R-Truth, you know, I don't know where I am. Dragged him over so that R-Truth could pick up the championship belt. Two things that that does. One, it makes Roman look like such an obnoxious goody two-shoes when he's supposed to be not a good guy, not a bad guy, but the guy, right? We're supposed to think that he has an edge to him. That takes away any edge he has because he's just a sweetie. He's just a sweet little teddy bear. He's going to go get his buddy and look, oh, R-Truth, the new champion. Aren't you all happy? <laughs> yeah, he's so cute. Oh, is it R-Truth? We all love R-Truth. Yeah, I'm the good guy, Roman Reigns. Good night, everybody. Take your vitamins. Say your prayers. Pat your kids on the head. Bupa goo. So it makes Roman into a goofy teddy bear, one. And two, it devalues the belt because Roman didn't want it. Yep. It had no value to him. I don't need this belt. I'm Roman frickin' Reigns. Anyone who is at my level doesn't give a crap about this belt. I'll let the mid-carder have it. If that doesn't devalue the belt, I don't know what does. That's so what that I was going to say. That is a, as, a, as like just a wrestling, as a wrestling purist. <laughs> it drove me nuts. Yeah. It drove me nuts. I was like, because it, it wouldn't have been hard to do to have Roman take everybody out and find himself outside the ring and have our truth kind of wake up nearby the prone body of Elias and, <gasps> and see it and kind of like drag himself over it. Roman look at him and be like, mm, I could go after him, but I won't this time. It would have you know been even I mean? better like, if, he'd have, if he'd have done what he did and then at the two count dragged him off of it and took it himself staring down our truth or something like, you know, God forbid we do something fun and exciting. I would have popped at that, except there's no way you could take the belt back off of Roman Reigns. Okay, you know, who, so who's going to get, get the belt off of him? Why was R-Truth in the 24-7 championship involved in this in the first place at all? Because 24-7 championship was a Vince idea. He wants to put some shine on it, so it's in the main event. Boom. Well, so Roman Reigns has to touch it or be involved with it somehow. Yeah, he's, yeah, getting, right. the, he's getting the Roman the Roman fluff on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that nice little Roman dander, just <sighs> shaking a little bit off the shoulder onto it. 
Look at that shine on the 24-7 title. That being said, I also think it might be because R-Truth has been absolutely killing it on the social media game over the last week, and they wanted to reward him uh, because he has made this a really exciting title. And except for this major bungle with it, I think, they've been doing a really good job with the title. I think it's an exciting title. I still I still have hopes for it. Yeah. Um, you know, And the fact that R-Truth is already coming out of the gate looking a little bit like a Crash Holly, I, I'm not mad at it. So I, I still say uh, Brock cash in on the 24-7 title. Oh, stop it. All right, so we also have <laughs> – get out of here. Bailey had a yes. match against Lacey Evans. We had Charlotte on commentary for it, Charlotte being her typical snarky queen self. Um, at the end of this match, Charlotte and Bailey got into it outside the ring. Bailey laid out Charlotte. Charlotte came after into the ring, and during the distraction, uh, Lacey was reversed into a pin by Bailey. Bailey picks up the win on Lacey Evans. And then Lacey and Charlotte get into it after the match, despite seeming to be on the same page for most of the show. Uh, what did you think about Lacey basically getting taken out by Charlotte here? Which like, one of them are they trying to turn? Well, not only which one are they tr- – I don't think they're trying to turn either of them. I think they're trying to separate them so they don't continue to have – uh, an association, which I think is smart because they're just too similar. But uh, uh, at the same time, it makes Lacey look like a goon because Charlotte just took her out with you know one big boot and no shoes on. Uh, and in addition, is Charlotte still in the title picture? And I, so, I don't know. I, I was asked the why? same question earlier about Becky Lynch on Raw. Are, are they also putting Charlotte Flair into a tag team called the Blonde Bombshells or something stupid? Where they're well, gonna, I, and now we're going to have Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair in tag teams going for the tag championships now because they're not they don't have enough champion. Ah! Honestly, if you made Lacey and Charlotte into a tag team and put them in the tag team division and had them feuding with Oscar and and Kyrie Sane, you'd have my attention. Get Wait, Charlotte away from name. the singles title. I don't not, don't say it, dude. Don't say it. Um, <laughs> A Kabuki experience or whatever it is. Uh, no, but but I would, that would at least be interesting, and it would give some more cachet to the tag team division. Uh, you know what I mean? Asuka going to the tag team division seems like a, a demotion. You have both Asuka and Charlotte in the women's tag division. Now, all of a sudden, that tag division is legit. And I'm not saying that Charlotte legitimizes it. I'm saying having both of those women in it legitimizes it. Yeah. Um, you know, that one is... Ooh, that poor woman. She's getting demoted. Two is like, oh no, they're man. They're pretty really putting some some people in that division. Yeah. And then you have Bailey going feud with someone like Mandy or Ember Moon or or Carmella or something like that. Um, you know, we we had a bit with Ember Moon on this show where she's just backstage reading Jekyll and Hyde for some reason, and Mandy starts and Sonya start pouring Mandy's new magazine onto her. I, I we'll let's just get to that right now. Okay. Let's get to that right. Let's get to Mandy and uh, and Carmella and Sonia and Ember. So I don't know what the heck they were doing with Ember backstage, but it sh- it to me it showed that they have no idea what Ember's character is, and she might not even know at this point what her character is. That's the Sheenom. She, uh, uh, oh, yeah, she's the war it was, goddess. It's but she's <laughs> backstage looking like a nerd reading Jekyll and Hyde, and gets you know ma- gets bullied by Mandy and Sonia, and just sits there and goes ooh, and goes back to her book. So that was that was very disheartening to see. Um, that being said, we did have a match between Mandy and Carmella, which I, I actually didn't mind very much. I, th- I thought Mandy and Carmella both got to show off some of their moves. I thought that uh, having Sonya interfere, and it seems like they're really going to push Fire and Desire as a team, um, which when they, when they showed the video package you mentioned earlier, uh, honestly, I kind of got back on the, the page with Fire and Desire. Like, I love Sonya. I think that she's, she, her promos have gotten really good, her character, the way she carries herself. Uh, and man, I'm I'm coming around on Mandy a lot. Like, yep. 
I don't know. How, how do you feel about Fire Desire as a legit tag team, a woman's tag team? I'd, I'd like. To, I, I'm a fan. I've been a fan of both of those ladies uh, since they since they debuted. So I, they were a little botchy at first, especially Mandy. I think they've come around. I've been pretty vocal about being a fan of Mandy. I think she's one of the ones that should have won the Money in the Bank briefcase for the women. So I. Well, uh, no one else did. She got booed to hell when she was at the top of that ladder. Yeah. But remember them in the but them in the elimination chamber, they were fantastic. They were. They went that that run they went on late in the match was really fun to watch. It was innovative, it was brutal. I liked it a lot. Uh, and I think I think that uh, Sonia has a huge upside with her mixed martial arts background, especially now that Ronda Rousey's out of the main roster and the other three horsewomen aren't on the main roster yet. Yeah. She's the only true MMA woman you have up there. So, and you've seen with what she can do with Oscar if if they let him go. So, I think there's I think there's an upside there. Yeah, I just uh, I don't know crossed. if it's too far gone at this point. It's almost like we're rebooting again. That that's kind of my gut feeling is that they're with the video package that they debuted. They're trying to reboot them again. It, they're not yeah. changing much about it, but they're trying to just start the story yep. over again. Post Mania, post Money in the Bank. It's reminding me a little bit of the Bailey Sasha thing last year, where are they or aren't they on the outs? Like, are they going to break them up or are right. they not? They don't even know week to week. Like some weeks, like ooh, they're on, not the same page. Something might be happening, and then the next week, it's like they're on the same page. They they're love each other. They're best friends. They they're love each other. Buddies. They're gonna make out. Their road trip episode was great, by the way. Oh, I have to uh, check that out. Speaking of speaking of tag teams, Daniel Bryan and Rowan are your SmackDown Live tag team champions. Now that one I deservedly knew. Deservedly so. Deservedly so. They came out to do the typical running down of the crowd. Rowan cut a nice little knock-knock joke. It was good times all around until they got challenged by your boys, Heavy Machinery, who came out and uh, basically said, you want a challenge? We're a challenge. This was perfect because I believe they were in Oklahoma, and uh, Daniel Bryan was running everyone down for eating hot dogs, it being Memorial Day weekend, um, dissing like fracking and basically non-subtly going after it all the blue-collar jobs. Earthquakes. All the blue-collar <laughs> jobs in Oklahoma. <laughs> and uh, out come the most blue-collar guys, apparently, on the roster, Heavy Machinery, who literally, like, they're, that's the, kind of their gimmick now, is they're blue-collar. They're just a couple of boys that like steaks and weights. So it was uh, just old school. They're one of us baby faces versus the elitist heels. And as uh, just, you know, go to old school, it works. And it worked here, especially Every with the time. talents involved. Yeah. You know, and then just the great ending where Daniel Bryan says, you know what? We will accept your challenge. We will face you for those titles. But not here in this crap hole Oklahoma. Boo! Bear. Boo! Boo that man! <laughs> so nice little bit. I'm looking forward to seeing Heavy Machinery versus Daniel Bryan. And, and Rowan, I don't think Heavy Machinery is winning this feud. But it'd be nice to see them on TV. I don't know. Let's get some new. Let's get some new blood. You know. They're not winning while Rowan's wearing a Sabaton shirt. Rowan shirt watch. Rowan, Rowan shirt, shirt watch. Sabaton. Nice. Another good one from Rowan. Rowan has mwah, excellent taste, I must say. Yeah. Uh, Sabaton, great band. Uh, finally, a couple things on SmackDown Live. Alistair Black is still talking. Still Waiting. He's talking and he's now waiting. Now it's been revealed. He's like, I'm not challenging nobody. You all have to challenge me. It's okay. Yeah. All right. I guess you're sitting in your little, like, nicely lit blue and red room for another little little while. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever whoever lit you is like went to lighting 101 class and never went to any other classes. <laughs> um, and then finally, uh, Andrade Cien Almas 
has a match with the demon Finn Balor at Super Showdown. Yeah. You're going to die, dude. Uh, you're going to get squashed. But he doesn't think so. He's like, Finn Balor, you are, in- you are injured. You and my friend are going down. Um, I got this. I loved his uh, dude. His promo was great this week. Yeah, the dude's obviously been working really hard. He cut that straight into the camera. He felt convincing. I freaking love this guy. I love this guy. I'm looking for, I, I feel, I fear it will be a squash match cause it's the demon. But if Andrade is selling your moves, like that's going to be good stuff. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I'm definitely, I'm looking forward to that match. I hope they give him more than just a quick squash. And good job for, on, on Andrade for, like, seriously, obviously doing the work on doing – Zelina didn't say a word. All Andrade. Yeah, this was fantastic. Wow. I love him. Even when he comes out and he cuts down the crowd in Spanish or starts just yelling. Uh, you know uh, you know me. I'm a fan of uh, performers let yelling them, in, in, in their, in their native language. tongue, right? Yes. But this one, the conviction, you called that out. That was the word I was going to use as well. Looking dead into the camera and just owning it. Yep. And just saying exactly what was going to happen. You are injured. Mm. You know, it's, oh, it was so good. I love Short Andrade. Either. I still think it Short was a mistake to not give him the Money in the Bank contract. That could have been so fun. I, I, yep. Freaking Brock Lesnar. Use you know? it to elevate someone. I like right. the fact that they're building this, that Finn has been injured by those insane power bombs that Andrade gave him off the ladder. You know what I mean? Like that, because here's the thing. Those look those look like they killed Finn. Finn took one from uh, he took three different ladder spots, which he pointed out in his promo uh, in Money in the Bank. Like Finn just got murdered. <laughs> so well, he's all uh, muscle. So I mean, he can take it. The one that where he uh, did the, hurt more. Andrade did the sunset no flip power bomb onto the ladder off from the top of it. Yes, and it, it, I mean, just go back and watch it in slow motion. There's a gif out there of it of Finn just his leg and his legs just flailing in opposite directions, and he springboards up off of it and goes flying onto the mat. Just beautiful. He, he went up so high he could have grabbed the briefcase before he came back down. Like right. it was, he was, he was flying. <laughs> uh, poor little guy. He's all muscle, so he just bounces. He's got no cushion whatsoever. Uh, but anyway, yes, that was SmackDown Live. Some good, some bad. Uh, but overall, like we are going to Super Showdown not this week, but next week. And uh, I have to say, with the exception of you know one or two, like okay, a fifty-person Royal Rumble. Hopefully they bring up some NXT talent, some some older talent. Like maybe that will be nice just for the hey, the recognizing thing. Um, and honestly, Finn Balor and Andrade right now are the only things that really are are flipping my wig about this show. Um, You're not in Triple H and, uh, and Randy Orton <sighs> again. I never. I didn't like that when it was happening. Yeah. You know. I, sorry, it wasn't. It yeah. That was one. Of, that was during my time when I just really wasn't that into WWE. It wasn't flipping my wig, and that was one of the reasons why. Yeah. It just it didn't do it for me. All Triple Thank H God, H all least, the time. At least it's not Orton and Cena. It could be worse. Oh God. It could be worse. Yeah. But it could be better. And there's a lot of exciting things that happened this week that were outstanding. But to talk about those, we need to go talk about the wide world of wrestling. Well, this week we finally got the match. Uh, Mia Yim rematch against Bianca Belair over in NXT. There's a lot of things that happened that we've been looking forward to that happened or got set up on this episode of NXT this week. That women's match at the beginning, uh, Mia Yim ultimately comes out on top. It is a f- I-, I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was a great get back for Mia Yim 
really puts her on the map. I don't know if Bianca Belair is falling from grace a little bit. She looks fantastic. She still can go. But I, you know, based on what we saw at the end, uh, or I'm sorry, for last week with Io Shirai, I am not sure that she's the kind of chosen anointed one anymore. I think she needed to be decelerated a bit. I think that uh, they made her so strong that everyone was like, why isn't she champ? Um, I like everyone being on a little bit of an even play, more even playing field. And to yeah. do that, people have to go on losing streaks. Mia Yim pinned her clean, her first clean pinfall loss. So that's a huge rub for Mia. They needed to bring up some more women. I think that taking someone who's on as high of a pedestal as Bianca Belair, bringing her down a rung or two, bringing some other people up a rung or two, I like that because it does even out the division a little bit more and make it so you don't know who's going to win week to week and you can have someone go on a streak at a moment's notice and have them look really strong going into a bigger match. So having Mia Yim look more like a contender is a good idea. We all know that Bianca Belair in a heartbeat can look like a contender. Right. So I thought this was the right decision. We also, And also the right decision was we found out this week that uh, uh, Tyler Breeze is coming back. Well, we knew this from last week. We knew that Tyler Breeze and Velveteen Dream were going to have a match at TakeOver. This week we found out Tyler Breeze is officially back on the NXT roster. Oh, wow. He's, coming, he's back in NXT. Um, and so they did a, a package for the Dream and Breeze match, which is happening at TakeOver. And I got chills. I mean, Tyler Breeze is going from being a nothing on the main roster to coming back in and being just incredibly important in NXT and being in a great angle and a great feud. And they're, they're making him feel like a fallen star. Yeah. And it's awesome. It's awesome. And, and throwing him right in there with um, uh, Velveteen Dream, I think, is the absolute right thing to do. Those two guys facing off, uh, having the promos that they can have and that they have already had, I'm, I'm so just chomping at the bit to get more of these two guys. So sure. I mean, well, run Dream this is, out. And Dream is kind of like the newer version of Tyler Breeze. It's yeah. a similar gimmick. Um, not completely similar, which is why they're both great. But having these two and the way that they contrast each other with their gimmicks is fantastic. You know, I think they'll bring out the best in each other. And apparently, according to Triple H, they're both very highly motivated to have a fantastic match at TakeOver. So looking forward to that. Uh, we also had a match that you and I were salivating over, Kushida versus Drew Gulak, which ended up being essentially a mat work exhibition match. Um, I couldn't tell if the crowd was dead for it or if they were just so intensely watching it because of all the, the details and all of the, the just buttery transitions that were going on here. Uh, what was your feel about it? This was a, I'm going to do a, a little salt bay, and this was a little smattering, a sprinkling. Uh -oh. oh, this was a little. This was just a little sprinkle uh, of what we've got to look forward to that these guys are actually capable of. I, well, I just, just, just the teaser that I got from this match. Well, I want to point just, something out. I want to point something out. Drew Gulak is known for mat work, and that's about it. Like a little bit of striking. Kushida just went shot for shot with him here. Ended up picking up the win, naturally, because they're trying to get him over, and they're showing what he can do. But he's now had a match with Drew Gulak. He had a match with um, Cassius Ono, which was a striking match. And uh, we've seen that Kushida can strike and now do mat wrestling. He's also an incredible high flyer. So it wouldn't surprise me at some point if he had a match against someone who's a flyer uh, in NXT. <laughs> he, he's the... <laughs> Don't do that to me. Um, he can do it all. 
And that's the thing is we're seeing they're, – they're letting us see little by little all the things that Kushida can do. And I'm looking forward to them getting him in there with someone who can do all of those things as well. There's not many people who can do as much as he can do. Um, I'm also looking forward to him getting in there with someone who doesn't mind going stiff because some, some of my favorite Kushida matches are the ones where he's not afraid to go super stiff. If you've ever seen um, the Dominion match from I think like two – Maybe three years ago, I think it was. I think it was two years ago, um, with uh, uh, yeah, that, that was just so incredibly brutal, and it was just it was just nothing but strikes. Wow. Um, uh, and it was yeah. I I I can't wait for it, like like Oni Lorkin or uh, Kyle O'Reilly, someone like that. Get Kachuda in with them and just see how hard he hits. I think Kyle so. Kyle O'Reilly would be another Drew Gulak. They're just going to lay on the floor trying to grapple each other into submission holds. You, you know? obviously haven't seen some of their old matches. You have kicks that just make you cringe. Sure, but let's who can get the first one? Who can get the other one into a triangle first? That, that's what that match screams to me. I think that Kyle's a better uh, a better matchup for Kushida with that. Drew just seemed a little bit uh, not slow, but just he doesn't have the 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 crispness that O'Reilly does with some of his uh, transitions and holds. So I, I trust me when he okay. when Kyle O'Reilly and Kushida get in the ring together, it's going to be magic. Nice. Just you heard it here. <laughs> uh, we also had a backstage bit, a couple backstage bits with Shayna Baszler uh, talking about her upcoming match with Io Shirai, how she's got a bunch of friends. Io had a, a bit where she said that I have no friends, but uh, anymore because they all left. But uh, and I don't have my kendo stick, but I'm going to do my best. At which point, Candice LeRae comes up to her and says, "I'll be your friend." Um, do you think that this match on Sunday is going to uh, Saturday or Sunday this week at the check Saturday? I think. All right. Do you think that match is going to have a lot of interference in it or is this just going to be a straight up match and everyone's going to get thrown out of the side of the ring? I, I can't imagine a Shayna Baszler match where Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir do not come or are not already at ringside at this point. It, it just, it, unless they are actively banned from ringside, I, they're going to be there. There's, I, whether they get involved, whether they are the reason that Io Shirai loses, uh, I don't know. Uh, does this get made into – I mean, it, there's no time for stipulations anymore. I mean, we're going to have the match this weekend. So I, I don't know. I, I absolutely think that if it's a clean, straight-up match with no stipulations, yeah, there's going to be some distractions. There's going to be some interference by Shafir and Duke. And I, I, I'm, it's a, I'm undetermined whether that's going to lead to – uh, Shayna being able to get the victory or EO being able to actually pull one off on Shayna. That's I'm still kind of 50 50 on that, but I, well, I we'll do the, we'll do the pickums in a, we'll do a pickums in a second. Uh, well, so let me I guess find we'll get a coin back. then so I can flip it. We'll, we can, <laughs> we'll get back to this. Finally, we had a, uh, supposed to be a match between the forgotten sons and uh, Birch and Lorcan turned into a big old brawl with uh, those two teams. Plus on all of undisputed era and the street profits all just brawling uh, Undisputed Era ended up standing tall on a ladder over the fallen corpse of your boy, Jackson Riker, or as I like to call him, Crapson Riker. Yeah. Uh, Jinder Riker. Um, so Undisputed Era standing tall, going into TakeOver, saying they're going to be draped in gold. Adam Cole has a, has a championship match. Red Dragon, of course, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish have a championship match. Um I don't know. This was this was a nice nice big brawl here. Looking forward to some of that excitement on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, can I just say how, how amped I am for a fatal four for a four way tag match with ladders? 
What ladder? These four you teams. Me both. Oh, you and me both, dude. I mean, if NXT history is any indication, this could just be an all-out war. Yeah, just I mean, a blow you're up. also going to have Jackson Riker, uh, Adam Cole, potentially, even though he's got a match, and um, uh, Roderick Strong ringside. Yep. Outside, and possibly, messing around. Possibly. Remember, the uh, Britain Brawlers, They, uh, them and Humberto Carrillo get along. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. They've had some stuff in the past. Th- that's, gonna, that's totally going to steal the show. Throwing that out there. I wouldn't mind if Carrillo came out. Um, but that being said, it makes it, it, you know, just remember, we have had multi-man NXT ladder matches that have gotten five stars from Uncle Dave. Uh, EC3 and Lars Sullivan are five-star match holders because of NXT <laughs> and ladders. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. So let's yes. talk about it. Let's talk about TakeOver, man. Yes. Let's do some pickums. Uh, let's go down the card here. Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong in my pick for match of the night, uh, which is saying something. There's a lot of good matches on the show. Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong. Who are you seeing picking this one up? I think Matt Riddle continues his streak and gets one over on Roderick Strong here. I, See, think, it's, actually, I think it's non-title, and I think that uh, well, I'm not going to give away my other picks, but, yeah, I'm going to say Matt Riddle here for this one. See, it's funny because Riddle's not on a streak. He just lost a dream at the last takeover. Fine. So I, so that's that's what actually makes me think it might be Riddle because he needs a comeback. But also, I think this might be Undisputed Era's night uh, when they really kind of go on the run because it seems like they, they patched up all the cracks. Either they're going to completely fall apart and lose everything and absolutely just fall to pieces or they're going to dominate. Like we're either going to see a sweep we're going to see a sweep, I think. I don't think we're going to have them go part way. The only alternate to that is that Cole and Red Dragon pick up the belts and Roddy doesn't win his match, and so he's still back on the outs. And they just That's go right back I'm into it more so. I don't so know if he's still that. on the outs, but there's not a belt at stake. There's not a title here. So I think you can still give Riddle the win, but Roderick Strong can make up for it later in one of the other matches by helping maybe Adam Cole. So that's, that's where I'm going. The beautiful thing about this pay-per-view is this, to me, just as outside looking in, is probably the most unpredictable pay-per-view I've, ha- I've seen NXT have in a long time. Yeah. I'm usually fairly confident about my NXT picks, and I'm, I'm less confident about my NXT picks usually than I am my main roster picks. This show, every single match, I really don't know. Yeah. I could flip a coin and be happy. I could, I could find an explanation for either one winning here or in any match. I don't think anyone is overmatched or undermatched or anything's been given away. Isn't so, that the beauty of NXT as a whole, though? The, yeah. The, the, the talent is so good it. on both sides that it's so unpredictable, and, we, and ultimately, we really it doesn't matter who wins. We're going to be happy either way. But That's, it's also the brilliance of it is that they're good enough at telling stories. I trust them enough to tell stories yeah. that they could go either way and tell an effective story with either person winning. So you're not worried about, what. well, if Riddle doesn't win here, he's really in trouble. No, he's not. They could absolutely explain it away and make it into an excellent storyline for him. Same thing with Roderick Strong. So it's something that I really do value about NXT. It's why it's one of the consistently greatest promotions working right now is because they tell consistently good stories. They have consistently good pay-per-views that are top to bottom. As good as Double or Nothing was, it wasn't as good as most NXT takeovers because it wasn't front to back nearly perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a lot of stuff that we could complain about or we're going to talk about that next uh, and go through a nitpick. But um, but NXT takeovers usually are just outstanding. And one of the reasons is just because of the level of thought they seem to be putting into these stories and the time, the patience they have with telling them. So that's my long way of saying 
I have no idea who's winning this match. Um, but <laughs> but who just are you picking? It, just to make it competitive, I'll pick Roderick Strong. Ooh, so he's going for the yeah, sweep. I'm going. I'm I'm going for it. That being said, I might actually I might not go for the sweep because the next match is the tag team four way ladder match for the vacant tag titles, which were relinquished by the war Viking Raider experience something something. Uh, Again, Undisputed Era's Red Dragon, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish versus the Street Profits versus Forgotten Sons versus Birch and Lorcan. Who you got in this one? Uh, I don't know if you're going to like this answer or not. I, I already know what you're going to say. Street Profits. Whoa. Actually, I, do, I did not know what you were going to say. Street Profits. I think Street Profits. Oh. Wow. Yep. Wow. I'm very surprised. I'm very surprised. I, th- I, I, I know I, you all thought I was going to say Forgotten wow. Sons because I'm I did. Uh, I'm actually going to. I'm you not know saying what? Jackson's not going to get involved, but I don't think they're going to put those titles on the Forgotten Sons. They've been having I, some good matches. They've been having some good looks. They've got nice beards and big hair. They look awesome. But what I saw when the when the Viking Raider Machine Experience came out to relinquish their titles. The first ones out were the Street Profits. Yes, they looked the, great. They put on a banger of a match right afterwards with the War Machine. War Raiders! War Machine. And, and I, I don't know. They're the ones that seem... Yes, would it be easy to say Undisputed Era? Absolutely. They've been fantastic tag champions before. Birch and Lorcan? Uh, They're not doing it. Lorcan's in 205 Live. They're just there to fill space and beat people up. That's kind of why I think Street Profits. See, I'm actually going to be a complete asshole, and I'm going to pick Forgotten Sons just because you didn't. What? Literally my only reason. What? Mm-hmm. That's the only reason I'm picking them. Oh I actually my, don't even I'm think they're going to win. I'm sorry for your ears right there, listeners. I don't even- Jesus, that really <laughs> caught – just as it caught you off guard, that completely yeah. caught me off guard. I don't think they're going to win. I may lose this NXT TakeOver pickums because I'm being an asshole. I'll I'll wear that. I will put my Jackson Riker picture up on this wall, <laughs> just oh for God. this moment. Because by God, if the, for- for- if the Forgotten Sons win this and you didn't pick them, I'm never letting you live it down. Uh, next, we've got Io Shirai and Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's Championship. This is a tough one, as we like we said. There's a lot of things that could happen here. Lots of outside interference potential. Uh, are they going to finally anoint Io Shirai, or does Baszler continue her reign of terror? Get your uh, coin out, Nick. What do you think? Let's see here. No, oh, you got the coin. All right, flipping I it. A, I had a. All right. I honestly don't know. Like honestly, <laughs> this is Did the coin falling. Io Shirai looked really. It fell down on the floor, and I don't. I don't have the <laughs> energy to go get it. I think Io Shirai uh, had a really good look last week. She was not pulling punches with that kendo stick. Like, she was no. whooping the shit out of all of them. And that gives me a whole new level of, okay, it's time. Are they finally mm-hmm. pulling the trigger on someone besides Shayna Baszler? That said, on the flip side, I'm going, they haven't really indicated in any way that Baszler, or there's really not an opportunity yet, now, especially now that Rousey's gone, for Baszler to come up and have any kind of realistic presence on either of the main rosters, so I I on I can't see I can't see him taking it off of Baszler just yet. Mm. I want to pick Io Shirai. 
but I my everything in my my heart's telling me Shirai, my head's telling me Baszler, and I'm going to go with Baszler. I would be surprised if they gave it to EO. This is one of the ones I'm a little bit more certain of. I'm pretty sure Shane is going to hold it for a bit longer. If they do eventually give it to EO, they've got to build her up more and they've got to build the match up more. Yeah. Um, maybe get a stipulation match or just make sure it's one-on-one. Uh, something. I think that to finally take it off of Shayna again, it's got to be a bigger deal than this. If yeah. they do take it off her and give it to EO, I will be very surprised. I'm also picking Shayna. Tyler Breeze versus Velveteen Dream for the North American Championship. Does Breeze pull the upset? No. No. You think that Velveteen is, is retaining? Dream is just too goddamn good at just – he needs that title. He needs that. He doesn't need it, but I mean, damn, he it's, that I want him having a championship. I want him at the top of the card. I want him up there. Tyler Breeze showed up a week ago. He doesn't get to have a title two weeks later. Sorry. I agree. I agree. I think Velveteen is winning here, but I think it's going to be a match where they get Tyler back over again. Um, I think that it would be it would do wonders for Tyler to win this title, but I don't think he needs it as much as Velveteen does. I agree. I think Velveteen needs a title way more than, than than Tyler does. Tyler can go back and work himself back up and come back and get it later. Also, we know that he was a late addition. This was supposed to be uh, Dijakovic yeah. versus Velveteen, so I think this is going to follow that pattern. They have a long-term story for Dream. He's going to hold the title here. Yeah. So this is one I'm a little bit more certain about, too. Yeah. Next up, we've got uh, the what you could call the main event for the NXT Championship. Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole 2.0. Yeah, uh, 2.0. You go just first a, on this one because I, I think I know three, who you're picking. But we Well, we had a, a best of three falls match. I know. We had a best of three falls match. Um, and it, that's crazy. Why, why do a, 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 another match, just a straightforward match after that? So I don't know what the, if they're going to throw a last-minute swerve at this. Because there's nobody else what. right now? Cause I mean, the, I guess. A lot of them are hurt. I guess. Um, so it would make sense for Cole to pick it up here, uh, yeah. which makes my pick of the Forgotten Sons seem even more idiotic, but I'm going to do it anyway because F you, Nick. <laughs> um, <laughs> you non-Forgotten Son picking fool. Oh, but uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and, and say uh, Cole picks it up here. Because I don't know, I don't know what heel Gargano's going to face if he retains. Agreed. I really don't. I don't. I don't know who's Gargano going to face. I think after it, this. I think it needs to be Adam Cole. I think the follow-on match, or the follow-on feud, is with Matt Riddle, uh, and I, I think it sets up for a great takeover SummerSlam weekend. Adam right. Cole, Matt and Riddle I, for the NXT Championship. And I think that if so, both of so you're picking Cole. I'm picking Adam Cole. So same here, and I think that that actually that does work because if you look at our picks for the first match, either way it creates a story yeah. more if Adam Cole wins. If Gargano wins, we don't really have a story unless Gargano faces Strong, and that's kind of a downgrade after Adam Cole unless we're going to have a fight for who's the leader of uh, uh, Undisputed Air after this. But we're just we're microbooking at this point. Yeah. I agree. I think Adam Cole is taking it here. I think they need to do that to keep it fresh. If Gargano wins, I will be fascinated to see who they have come for his title first because they don't seem to have a lot of options right now. No. So, a lot of hurt people. There, a lot of hurt people and not a lot of big heels. Uh, if you want to talk about big heels, though, as we were saying, MJF's probably the biggest heel out there. But to talk about him, we need to go talk about AEW's double or nothing. It is time, Nick. Ooh. It is time to talk about, to break down this pay-per-view Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time to do it, 
because it's just the nature of the beast. There's so much this week. But luckily, we're going to do it anyway. Uh, started off with the pre-show, the, uh, the Casino Battle Royale, which uh, was won, as we said earlier at the top of the show, by Hangman Page, who drew the quote-unquote Joker card. It was something for him to do because his pa- match with Pac was canceled. I thought that was a bit of a cheap uh, bit of writing, but at the same time, don't care. It was a great ending, and the crowd loved it, especially because the other last man standing was MJF, who was hiding out for till the very end. And when Hangman thought he had it won, MJF came in, tossed him out. Everyone thought that uh, MJF had won it, but Hangman held onto the ropes, kipped back in, and uh, took him out with one of his lariats. Hangman Page is going to be your, uh, well, in your first ever championship match for AEW. Was there any other standouts for this match or any other moments that you were like, ooh, that was really good? Uh, the pounce. You, the, you know, the, there the were, there, yeah, Ace Romero. Um, who is the guy that's, uh, uh, Missing legs, Justin, Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas Justin uh, had, Thomas, yeah. had some great, uh, great spots in there. I, I was I, surprised I, they had him come out in the first group. I thought, that, but I guess you know, hard to get him in the ring. But sure, um, you know, I was surprised he came out first. But yeah, he had he had his typical his six one nine his four fifty splash. Um, anything else really pop out for you? No, this was kind of the, and I say this very gently. This was kind of the lower part of the the whole show for me. It was, it, there was, you could feel a little bit of the feeling it out, uh, learning their way around. Uh, they hadn't done many of these before. I want to, I want to give them a pass, but there were some, it, it was too, it felt like it went too long. Um, I liked the ending. I liked the big surprise pop of Hangman Page coming out at the end. Uh, after doing, you know, a couple of weeks of promo work on YouTube uh, on the Being the Elite and um, uh, other associated networks, you know, sitting on his couch with ice on his knee, yeah, saying that he was out, and then he comes out for the battle royal. Yeah, awesome. it was the same. It was the same idea as Flip Gordon and All In. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it was fine. But I, I here's the thing: as someone who was there, I have to tell you, it was definitely the crowd wasn't as into it because everyone was still finding their damn seats. Yeah, so that might have helped early. some of it too. It, a lot of it went really quickly because basically it was all these guys, these indie guys who have their gimmicks and they're trying to get their gimmick spots in as quickly as possible. And I missed half the gimmick spots till I went, till I went back and watched it. I enjoyed it way more on TV than I did live because I missed a lot of stuff. You know, I, 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 ca- I missed half of Jimmy Havoc's using the staple gun. Um, I, I missed half of Michael Nakazawa getting out of a hold by using baby oil. You know what I mean? I, I'm happy I caught Orange Cassidy um, doing his Orange Cassidy things, but at the you know you really didn't have a choice. Everything stopped when he kind of ran in, yeah, or you know walked insouciantly in. Sauntered. <laughs> Sauntered. Um, no one could miss Luchasaurus slamming Joey Janela through a table, yeah. And Luchasaurus was definitely one of the guys that popped for a lot of people. Um, all I have to say is, if you liked Luchasaurus, whatever you do. Don't Google him. Don't Google what he looks like without the mask. And don't Google Big Brother because you will be disappointed. It's not gonna. It's not gonna help. There's a reason he wears a mask. Okay, <laughs> he's he's more of a bro than Matt Riddle ever was. I'll just leave it at that. Um, anyway, so yeah, I agree. It was a little bit sloppy. It was nice to see Billy Gunn and Ty Dillinger and Glacier out there. Um, uh, you know, I thought uh, it was Brian Pillman's mullet was a thing of beauty. Uh, but yeah, uh, overall, yeah, it was it was what it was. That's and that's about it. Uh, neither of us were right here. You picked, I think, MJF, and I picked. Uh, I, I think I picked Jimmy Havoc. Yeah, you picked Jimmy Havoc. 
But I was saying, like, whoever's the Joker is going to win this thing. And sure enough, uh, it's someone we don't know is going to win this. And boom, there you go. Uh, next on the pre-show, Kip Sabian beat Sammy Guevara. You got this one right, even though we both were like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think I would have agreed with you if I'd seen the Friday weigh-in where Sammy Guevara uh, attacked Kip Sabian. It made more sense that Kip went over at that point. But uh, this was basically uh, a bit flat until they hit an absolutely insane move on the outside. Um, it's a crazy, like a 6:30. Uh, excuse me, a, uh, a shooting star press off of the apron, and that's when the audience woke up on this match and went, "Oh, oh, what the heck?" Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's definitely two lower card guys. We've seen a lot of Sammy Guevara um, here in LA. Very talented kid, but it deserved to be on the pre-show. Yep. So. Uh, next up, SoCal Uncensored versus the Stronghearts, the debut of OWE. What did you think of this match? So this is where things got interesting for me, and it was kind of just a fun ride from here till the end. Uh, I loved SCU, uh, all of their talking. This match, uh, I don't think got the attention and the credit and placement on the card that it deserved. I, I thought this match was fantastic. It opened the show. I, I, I mean, that's a pretty well, good placement. Well, sure. But, you know, like you said, people still finding their seats, all that kind of stuff, right? We were, we were in our seats by this point. Everyone okay. was there. When SCU came out and did their thing, that's when everyone locked in on the show. Yep. So, that was when everyone yeah. went, oh, okay, this was, we go. This was, for me, this was, I, sure. I didn't put two and two together. I watched from the pre-show all the way through the end and didn't really put two and two together of when, it, when one thing stopped and the other thing started. So I get what you're saying. I, I loved them coming out and doing their thing. I thought this match... For mo- it was incredibly. I didn't expect to see this kind of action uh, in this match with these two guys, sets of teams. I, but it was fantastic. I was very surprised that SCU got all the big spots because yeah. I thought they were trying to get OWE over. And while everyone loved L. Lindemann because who doesn't love a, mu- a muscle hamster? Yeah. Um, I was surprised that that T Hawk and Sema were kind of quiet throughout this entire match, and Scorpio Sky came out looking like a god. So that was. Surprising to me, you picked SCU. I thought they were going to put over OWE more. Um, so you picked up this one as well. And you went up 2-0 on me to start off the show. Yeah. Trust me, I was sweating at this point. By the way, um, Lindemann, um, a new contender for best uh, Northern Light suplex. Uh, yeah. you know, throw a gut wrench aspect into it as well. But just Jesus well, Christ. It's a little easier when you're that close to the ground. Right. Um, so then we had Chad the uh, women's, women's quote-unquote three-way match. Dr. Brooke Baker versus Nyla Rose and Kylie Ray. And we had our first swerve of the, first swerve of the show here uh, where you had Brandy Rhodes come out, take off her coat in her ring gear, and everyone in the crowd was just sitting there going, oh, no, she's going to insert herself into the match. And if you've been watching <laughs> Nightmare Family or Being the Elite, you know she's been calling all the women and saying, no, I think you're going to win. No, you're going to win. She's been playing everyone against each other. So this seemed to fit into storyline that here comes Brandy. She's going to come in and Stephanie McMahon this thing. But no, she says, as the person who's running this women's division, I want this match to be better than good. I want it to be awesome. Cue the music. Out comes Awesome Kong. Good first Lord. Big, first big pop of the night. If you don't know who she is from TNA, uh, she was Karma, K-H-A-R-M-A, Karma, Karma in the WWE. She's fantastic. And she came out and the crowd went banana. And uh, <laughs> it turned this into a, a very interesting match because I thought we already had our big girl in this match with Nyla Rose. Uh, by the way, Nyla Rose, the very first uh, transgendered pers- transgender wrestler to ever be on a pay-per-view, ever. Wow. So nice first stat. there. 
Okay. Very cool. Uh, but this ended up, this turned into a two little girls versus two big girls match. A uh, bunch of huge spots, including a Tower of Doom from Awesome Kong. Uh, Nyla, everyone had some great spots, but it ended up being uh, Kylie Ray and Brooke Baker at the end, with Brooke Baker hitting what I can only describe as a eh, like a semi botched Ushiguroshi. Yeah, I couldn't tell that if didn't it look was very like, good. I couldn't tell if it was just ugly or if she messed it up. Um, I think she just completely missed her leg and she just fell down to the mat and in, in a heap. <laughs> you know, well, I went anyway, back, I rewound we were, it and watched it a couple of times, and it just yeah, it, it was just a botch. It didn't look good. No. But uh, uh, Brooke Baker did pick up the win, as we both thought that she would. I'm kind of disappointed that both Nyla and uh, Kong went to the outside about two thirds of the way through this match. But hey, good match overall, and certainly things only got better from there. Next, we had the best friends. Uh, versus Angelico and Jack Evans, oh. which, uh, by the way, had probably one of my favorite in-jokes of the night, and that is that Trent Beretta actually just became a heavyweight in New Japan when he came, like, and then he came to, left New Japan, essentially, and now he's in AEW. Um, but he has a very good relationship with their with a New Japan's current champion, Kazuchika Okada, who's known as the Rainmaker, does the Rainmaker pose, and whenever he does that, the can pa- the camera pans all the way out, so this match, uh, obviously the best friends, their thing is hugging each other. They love to hug each other. And I love the fact that um, and, and Helico and Jack Evans kept them from hugging until most of the way through the match, and they finally got to hug. And when they did, that camera zoomed all the way out. And later on, on Twitter, Trent said that was, that was for Kazuchika, his buddy, Kazuchika Okada. Aww. And Okada, Okada responded, I saw that. I loved it. I love you, buddy. So the feels. that was the <gasps> feels all the feels all over the place. With I'm becoming that. verklempt. I'm so verklempt. I called this right. Chucky e. T and Trent did go over here. Yeah. Best friends did win the match. But the story here is that after the match, there was a bizarre run in. The lights went out. All of a sudden, there was a random guy in the ring taking everybody out. And all of a sudden, lights go out. Another random guy and a whole bunch of goons. And all of a sudden, these two random guys and all their goons were killing everybody. And then it ended up with the two guys posing. The one guy who was in a mask sitting on a throne of his goons. Snapping his fingers, lights go out, and they're gone. Uh, for those of you who are wondering what the hell this was and why it was, those were the Super Smash Brothers. Uh, we know them here in, in L.A. from PWG. That was Player Uno with all the goons and Player Dos without the mask. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Everything that they do is video game related, but it looks like they're going to make them a little bit more serious in AEW, which I'm all for because those guys can go. They can go. Uh, they've been in matches with some of your favorite guys who are currently in NXT and Impact. So a uh, little bit obscure as far as indie guys. I wish they'd given them more of a introduction, but this was certainly a strong look for them out the gate. Yep. What did you think of them as someone who probably didn't know who they were, Nick? Uh, I just I love the fact that we got a surprise. You know, we I love the fact that they baked in this whole pay-per-view surprises throughout the show. And this was the I mean, we had just had the one with Awesome Kong showing up. Now we had the one with, the, I mean, anytime the lights go out like that at the end of a match, especially when you've got the, the best friends trying to get uh, Angelico and Jack Evans to hug them, or there was some interaction going on and then all of it, you know, playing that up. And I, I was yeah. already in and enjoying that, just the banter back and forth. And then the lights go, the whole place goes pitch black. And it comes up, and there's just these this little mini Kratos looking guy, and this giant <laughs> that I can this guy that looks like a giant version of Blue Demon, 
uh, yeah. with all of these zombie minion things around. Just, I, I'm in. You had me. Yeah, I, I, that's I just, cool. I'm just along for the ride at that point. It's cool. We haven't seen something like their gimmick in major wrestling. Yeah. So I think, I, I think, and here's the thing. They're old buddies with the Young Bucks. They used to have matches against Young Bucks all the time. Uh, so I think that they will have their gimmick be used right. Nice. Uh, yeah, nepotism, it's a real thing, and it works. Uh, <laughs> next up, we had Kenny Omega's Joshi match. He wanted to get some Joshi wrestling on this uh, card. He got it. We had Hikaru Shida, Riho, and Ryu Mizunami versus the uh, uh, absolutely terrifying and amazing Asia Kong along with Yuka Sakazaki and Emi Sakura. Um, Nick, I want, I want to get your opinion on this match because I, I've, I've watched my share of Joshi wrestling and stardom and ice ribbon and all of that. Um, and for a lot of people, this, this was a new thing for them. Um, I've heard some people love it. I've heard some people hate it. What did you think about this? And I'm not talking like, don't worry about, it. there was a botch at the finish where the ring bell got, got rung too quickly and the ref got pissed and the music started, but they had to restart it. And then the match ended and it was weird. Don't think about that from what you saw of their wrestling. What did you think? Uh, it was fine. You know, I, I don't. I don't really have. <laughs> okay. I don't really have a lot to say here to contribute uh, as far as this match goes. I like a good bit of storyline with my wrestling. I like a good bit of. You know, this was just straight out ass whipping, and and I dig it for that. But I I like some I like some story and some stakes and some investment. Um, I feel like it might have been too many women in the ring at one time. It felt a little busy. It felt like everybody was intentionally trying to get their time. And, mm. I, and I think it did a disservice to some of these ladies. I mean, Asia Kong is a legend. Just seeing her in the ring was fantastic. So I, I don't, I, I don't want to knock it, but it was arguably my least favorite thing uh, on the card. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But it was, it was one of my, it negative. was one of my it's favorites. It's just my least favorite. Of course, I just that's why I wanted your opinion because for me it was one of my favorites because all of these women are so much tighter. And crisper than a lot of the American women that we see. They they don't they're not afraid of the ropes. They're not afraid of getting hit. And so as a result, their moves look a lot better to me than a lot of the American wrestling. That even Becky Lynch, who's a fantastic wrestler, some, sometimes to me she seems like she's afraid to really hit the ropes yeah. or to really like go all out on a move. And these girls are not at all. They no, take I recognize that hits. They take bumps. Um, and even Asia Kong, who looked like she could barely walk to the ring, once she got in there, she looked like a tank. They know how they know when to no sell and, and how to play that character. Um, so no, I, I loved this. I thought it was great. And I also knew the one storyline in it, which was that Emi Sakura was the kind of the coach or the mentor, if you will, of Hikaru Shida. And so that was the storyline was could the student beat the master? Uh, uh, okay. And she could, and that's why I picked Team Shida and got this pickums right. Next up, Nick, we had probably it's it's going to be one of these uh, the match maybe the match of the night maybe the match of both of these guys' careers. Cody versus Dustin Rhodes. Uh, what did you think about this one? Five star. I mean, <laughs> there there it is. Uh, there I, it is. I would give I would give this actually closer. I mean, this is going to be up there above five stars for me. I don't know wow. what Meltzer rated it. Even if he did, I'm sure he did. Um, but I. I I'd be curious if you wouldn't mind looking that up or if you have the facility to do that right now. They, but haven't, they haven't released the ratings yet. So, I look, I, as I just said with the previous match, I like a little storyline sprinkled in with my wrestling. This is a little, steeped, a little. <laughs> steeped in story. This is steeped in wrestling history. 
the two yeah. of them starting the top of the match and the whole I, – I can't imagine what it must have felt like for you guys to be there and hearing the crowd just break out into dusty chants. Like, I might have wept had I been there. Chills. And it was definitely a couple of times in this match where the emotions ran strong. But interestingly enough, live, it definitely once – because Dustin got busted open. Busted wide open. It looked like, like he bladed. Like they cut um, away to have DDP carry Brandy out long enough. To, yeah, for him he was to down blade. There definitely blading yeah. from either. You know, he said afterwards it was because Brandy hit him with the cane. Yeah. Uh, it looked live like it was because of the turnbuckle. Whatever it was because of, he bladed. He bladed like Eddie versus JBL, like Brock versus Taker in a cell, like Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13 bladed. Yeah, like. He was he was dripping the red stuff onto the floor like a river, uh, and live it really it really shocked the crowd. And there was a lot of people who got very quiet as a result, um, and the crowd felt a little. It, it it took away from the match a little bit how bloody he was live. Um, it was because it was an extremely gory match. I watching it on TV, it was a lot better because yeah. you could get up in their faces and see the emotion. Whereas live. It was harder to do that. It was harder to keep track of the story in the face of this gore. Um, so it, I have to say that I liked it better on TV, and I definitely got more into the emotions of it on TV during the match. After the match, where Cody beat Dustin and then told him, first of all, you didn't see this on, on TV, but you know Cody was wearing uh, a belt that said nightmare or it said uh, uh, attitude killer. Right? right, referring to his promo, talking about how he wanted to kill the Attitude Era, and after the match, Dustin crawls over and finds the finds this and is kneeling on the ground, staring at this belt, and then just kind of lets it go and is just sitting there in a heap, like exhausted. I thought that was such a nice touch, and they didn't catch that on TV. Um, and then Cody came back in the ring, and Dustin kind of scrambles into a corner like a wounded animal, and then you you saw this on TV where Cody says, "You can't retire now. You don't get to You're retire not, here. You don't." get to retire here because he had started like unlacing his boots and all of that and unzipping his his suit yeah and like everything. he was gonna give his promo that i'm done yeah and cody yeah and then the great promo where cody says you know i've got a match coming up against the young bucks at fighter fest and i need i don't need a partner i need my big brother so he breaks into tears like, <laughs> forget about it there's no forget crying in it. wrestling forget about it that was such a beautiful moment um live or on tv you yep. couldn't you couldn't yeah, so just outstanding. By the way, don't forget, WWE had this match ready for WrestleMania, and they dropped it. They dropped it. The year that Dusty mm. died, I believe, too, like when it was even more fresh. Yeah, it was the tail end of the Stardust thing. And right? Yeah, well, and it was, it was at a time when Stardust hadn't completely burned out, when you still had Goldust you know, looking pretty good, and, and uh, Dustin was st like still really good to go. He had just like, gotten really, really on it and so wwe had this but i'm actually more glad we saw it here fun fact uh, about this i read that cody didn't even shower for the rest of the show he just went back to the table and put the headset back on and kept producing the show or at least dude, watching could, it from the table uh just and he, there was a comment about how he didn't want it to end he uh, uh he he felt like if he if he didn't shower all of the the blood and the sweat off then it would just it would continue to go and the feeling and the high and the euphoria that he was experiencing during this uh, was just overwhelming. So I, I love stuff like that, you know, backstage kind of little nuggets. 
Uh, but I, I thought that was a big one to share. If you watch any of the behind the scenes stuff for the show, uh, yeah, Cody was covered in his brother's blood for the rest of the freaking night. Yeah. Um, so yeah, fantastic stuff. And then pff, Bret Hart came out to introduce the AEW championship, uh, which by the way, that belt looks out, absolutely outstanding. NWA meets uh, big gold belt. Yeah. Like awesome. Looks great. Uh, MJF came out to run his mouth and gave probably my favorite heel promo of the last 10 years. Run, ran down everybody, got heat so hard, so hard that Bret Hart couldn't help but smile. Like he was getting, he was having the shit talk to him, and he was just sitting there going, "This kid's good." <laughs> well, watch awesome. out, Bret! A fan's coming. No, I'm just kidding. Oh <laughs> uh, no, the fan wasn't coming at him, but uh, the ramp sure did. He felt that guy just has no luck, man. He fell off the ramp on the way to the back. Luckily, he was okay, but good God, man, oh, Bret man. just no luck. Um, but yeah, and then uh, of course Hangman Page came out to confront him along with. Uh, strangely enough, Jungle Boy and, uh, um, uh, geez, uh, and, uh, Jimmy Havoc came out to confront MGF too, and they chased him into the crowd. So there we go. So we got the, the belt. We saw the belt finally, it looked great. And then we had the young bucks versus the Lucha brothers, which was uh, insane. Phoenix showed off how little he cares for your gravity. And, uh, Nick, I would love to talk about this more, but we don't have a whole lot of show left. So I've got to just run through this and say it was great. It was. And and I was shocked that the Young Bucks retained the AAA tag belts. Uh, me too. Uh, I think we both picked the Lucha Brothers here because of the, the AAA belts to get one back. So, yeah, I, I'm, I, yeah. where do we go at from this, here? At this point, we were tied because I had picked, the, uh, I'd picked she, Team Sheeta, and we were tied for the rest of this because then there was Jericho versus Omega, and we both thought Kenny Omega was winning this one. But no – Chris Jericho picked up not only a clean victory, but a clean victory with his new finisher, the Judas Effect, uh, which I still say you should have called the Judas Experience. But uh, <laughs> uh, he, yeah, he picked up the win over Kenny. Kenny wrestled this match, by the way, the entire thing with a broken nose. Like he broke his nose early and was just pouring blood out of it for the rest of the match, which yep. made it feel like more drama. And it also made it seem more legit that Jericho could beat him. Uh, but this was another great match. I think that it was it was smart to uh, to have Kenny slow down to meet Jericho's speed. But Jericho also, I mean, three lion salts in a row. I don't care, dude. If you're 48 years old, you can do three lion salts in a row. You're doing all right. I'm, I'm um, 41. I don't think I could do that. <laughs> I don't think I could do sure. one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I would what break my about- neck and retire immediately. Uh, this is a bit of a tangent, but what did you think about Jericho's throwback entrance where he had guys showing him in three different stages of his career before he came out as, as the new Jericho character? Mwah. Loved it. <laughs> what I mean, just talk about the, the theatrical. We were talking about this earlier. I don't remember whether it was on the show or not, but just the, the we were talking about MGF, MJF, I believe. Just an eye for the theatrical, knowing how to put on a show. And man, that is exactly the kind of stuff that I would have expected out of Jericho. And he took it to 11. You know, th- yeah. Those kinds of throwbacks, things, the nostalgia moments. And as much as Cody wants to kill the Attitude Era, Jericho was a staple part uh, of all of it. And just, for his, <laughs> just to juxtapose Cody smashing Triple H's throne, now we have Jericho coming out and hitting us all in the nostalgia feels for, yeah, for all the went- Y2J stuff, right? Absolutely. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, it was it was fantastic stuff, and it, also I liked the fact that we had a heel ramp and a face ramp. Faces came out of the left, heels came out of the right. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, that's it, a cool it's on my list touch. to watch it again this weekend. Uh, probably well, tomorrow when you night, do, by the way, I'll check pay that attention out. to that. The, 
So, so obviously after this, uh, then we had the Moxley entrance and he came down and beat up everybody. Very stone cold. Like I might add, uh, what did you think? Let's just break it all down. What did you think about the production overall? Like how did they do overall? I think we already kind of said, but what did you think overall of the show? What could they improve and what was spot on for you? And then we'll move on to the rest of our show. A lot of it, man. A lot of it. I, I really don't have, like I said at the beginning of it, I don't have a lot negative to say. I can't think of one thing that I just harshly disliked enough to even begin to complain about. Mm. And I was very pleasantly surprised by that. I thought there would be some... You know what? If I'm going to call anything out, it's the botched uh, Yoshigoroshi uh, by Britt Baker. That might be the worst thing that happened all night. I know? would say the, the false finish on the uh, the Joshi match. That was okay. that sucked. Sure. That really, oh, yeah, that really uh, that's true. Took the wind out of that match. It was, hey, tra- it was tragic. You know what? Growing pains, as far as I'm yep. concerned. Uh, this, this yeah. is, it's fine. There, there is no, I have zero qualms with anything that really happened here. This is the first, maybe second. I don't know who all was in charge of what at the show versus all in. Um, the first, maybe second time these guys have put on a show of this level. Uh, out, insane that they got as much right as they did. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, again, WWE, as you said, Thousand plus SmackDowns, twelve hundred plus Raws. Like they've been doing it for a long time. They're on a roll. They have all this stuff locked in. For you to put on a show like this is a gargantuan effort, and they pulled it off with a plum, which is a lot of companies have tried and failed to do. Uh, so it's it's actually very impressive that they pulled this off with as few hitches as possible as as they had and as yeah. few like problems like is all things that can be fixed going forward there's nothing egregious that I'm sitting there going they're going to have to fix that it's it's all good for them all looking good in the future we got to move on because we're way late on the show today Nick uh so we got to go 205 live real quick it's hard to go from AW to 205 live which has been on a bit of a slump lately I feel uh, Mike Kanellis got a win over Brian Kendrick this week, so maybe they might be pushing him at some final Yay. point here. Um, Akira Tozawa, I thought, won a number one contendership match last week, but apparently not. Now Tozawa and Nice want each other. Drake Maverick says he'll consider it. Um, we also saw that Arya Davari wants a feud with Oni Lorcan, which I'd be interested to see. I okay. think Lorcan can bring out. I think Lorcan can bring out a good side of Davari. I'm liking Davari's character. Uh, he just needs to get a little more experience and just take it to that next level in terms of star power. Noam Dar is back. He squashed a guy named Mike Karma, uh, who was a jobber. But if you wanted to know who he really was, his real name is Mike Seidel. Uh, yes, he is Matt Seidel's brother. Okay. But uh, Noam Dar is announcing himself as having never lost it. So he's apparently still around 205 Live as well. And then finally, Umberto Carrillo was in the main event versus Jack Gallagher. He picked up a win over Jack, which I thought he already, I thought that was already put to rest. But I only have to wonder if 205 is getting a bit of a creative lull. I don't really feel that spark from 205 Live well, anymore. Their, their general is. manager is too busy chasing around our truth for the uh, 24-7 title, so that might play into it a little bit. <laughs> That's That might be it, or it <laughs> might be creative not knowing what to do with them and, and the right. team kind of starting to walk away. And also all of their big stars getting pulled and then not used on the main roster. Yeah. When was the last time you saw Buddy Murphy? Yep. Exactly. He's had, he's had two matches since being called up. Two, and that's including house shows. Uh, quickly over to New Japan. The best of Super Juniors is almost over. We've got two more shows and then the finals. Uh, the finals of Block A is going to come down to Shingo Takagi or Taiji Ishimori. Ishimori is the current champion. So either Taiji 
If Taiji wins the whole thing, he doesn't have to face anybody at Dominion. But if Shingo wins this, he's going to face the winner of Block B, which is going to be Ryusuke Taguchi or Will Ospreay. I got to say, I cannot see Taguchi winning this. I think it's going to end up with Shingo versus Ospreay in the finals. Yeah. Either way there, uh, I think it's going to be a great match at Dominion. So I'm looking forward to it. I think, I personally, I think Shingo's taking the whole thing and then going and getting that belt. I mean, because you know, you know as well as I do, I'm a huge Shingo guy. Oh yeah, and I'm a huge Osprey guy. So I mean, just look at the week. Well, we've got these. We got the finals this weekend. We've got Takeover this weekend. What a weekend of wrestling we've got! I mean, following on Double or Nothing yeah. last weekend. Just good, good God. lord, things are still. And then Super Showdown, Nick. Uh yeah, oh yeah. oh wait. <laughs> and then the, the when the fun comes to an end. They have those brochures all over Vegas. Well, on that anyway, note, guys. Uh, uh, so really really quickly, really okay. quickly, before we get out of New Japan, that's right, we've got the A block finals are tomorrow, the B block finals are Monday, and the overall finals are Wednesday. And by the way, Wednesday is when we have that Moxley versus Juice Robinson match. So Ooh. Wednesdays, keep an eye out for it. Yes. Nick, it's that time. Yes, guys, uh, thank you very much to all of our patrons that send in great listener questions every week. It is that time, but if you'd like to get in on some of that action, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for that $5 tier or higher. We, we appreciate it. Um, but starting things off this week is Jacob. How long do you think it will be before AEW adds more titles, like a tag, women's, mid-card, etc., and who would you pick as champions? Hmm. Mm, well, let's see. Uh, I don't, I think it's going to be a while before we get kind of like with NXT where it's a while before we get a mid card title. Uh, I think we'll see cause we don't have a women's title yet. I think the women's title will be next. Um, and, uh, right around maybe the, yeah, women's or tag will be next. I suspect probably women's just because they're, they're trying to be more of a forward thinking company, right? But it could be the tag titles because they do have such a stacked tag division, but they are kind of using the triple a tag titles as their intermediate tag belts for now. So they kind of already have tag belts in their company, but as far as their own, it'll probably be next within the year, I think, but they I think they're going to wait until they get on TV. I mean, they may announce that they're going to get them at all out, but I think on TV is when we'll see the announcement of the other belts. Yeah. As far as who's going to be champs, um, as far as women's champions, Britt Baker, I think, would be an obvious, easy first choice. At some point, Nyla Rose will be champion, uh, not only because they're going to be a, a quote-unquote forward-thinking company, but uh, because that's, yeah, I just think that they will. Yeah. And then tag team champions, everybody. <laughs> they have an incredibly stacked tag division. Oh, the, the, I, So I, I disagree. I think the tag division is going to be the one that uh, the, the, the tag championships are the ones that come out first. Obviously, they're going to announce a women's at some point. Brandy's done a great job of building up four or five women, if not more so far, and that's only going to get more and more. Uh, the mid-card title, I mean, yeah, I think you made an interesting point about NXT. Yeah, it's been, what, like six, seven years? <sighs> yeah, mean, it was a while before they got one. Yeah, until we got the North American Championship last year. So, yeah. yeah. I, as far as who's getting them, uh, I, I don't know. I think we're way off from that. We, we just had our first pay-per-view, guys. I think before we'll get to TV, I believe before they announce any new uh, titles, and that's that's exactly. kind of the milestone for me. Thank yep. you, Jacob. Great question. Next up, we got Will. Why do all the top heels continue to be used as stooges? <laughs> Will the WWE realize they're using them like this and let guys like Drew be vicious again? And is Bray Wyatt now actually the savior of the heels? Well, that's assuming that Bray is actually coming back as a heel, 
We don't know what he's coming back as yet. We don't know if he's a heel or a face. I mean, I my hunch is he's going to be a Jekyll character. Like, the Fiend is going to be heel evil. The Bray Bray will be this. He'll wear the sweaters, vests, and the other stuff, right? I have a feeling he'll come back as a heel just because Vince doesn't get his character any other way. Yeah. But uh, he could go either way. I really do think so. But as far as his main question, um, I why are the top heels continue to be used as stooges? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It, it's it's like they think their top heels are Shane and Brock, and not you know Drew or Lashley or someone like that. Um, and if they booked Drew and Lashley like their top heels, they'd probably be, probably be a lot more effective in the roles that they're giving them. Yeah. Um, but instead, you know, they're well, the, the roles that they're like like Lashley being uh, in the event with Strowman. But be, we've seen him be a goon so many times. Uh, or just someone else lackey or, or just, you know, teaming up with someone for no real reason, that him and him and Braun, you're like, okay, whatever. I don't really care about Lashley. He's not intimidating or scary because he just doesn't seem to have his own idea of what he wants to do, his own personality. Same with Drew. Drew, this, Drew was so engaging for a while then when he, when he broke out of uh, the Dolph Ziggler thing. Um, but then now he's just Shane Stude for some reason. He's got no personality, no character. He's very flat. Only to get thrown in some triple thing with Corbin and, and Lashley. And ever since then, since Survivor Series or like September, October of last year, it's, it's, he's been a stooge. And I'm just going, what in the hell, guys? I expected to see, you know, if you guys remember from the end of last year, Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre building to the Universal Championship at WrestleMania. That was kind of where I was going with it. But no, we got Brock again. Yep. So I, I don't know. I don't have an answer. There's only one 73-year-old man that can answer your question, Will. Well, yeah, will, will the WWE realize is always, will Vince realize? Yeah. And that is, that's kind of like asking. No way like, in hell. All right, right. When will the tidal wave hit? Right. It may, ne- it may never. <laughs> it may never. Will California ever fall into the sea? I, I don't know. It might. Thanks, Will. Great question. Uh, next up, Dominic. What do you think is the future of the women's tag team? It was interesting when they said it would be defended across all brands, but since then, it's it's as flat as a really flat pancake. That's pretty flat. Uh, uh, or That's crepe, pretty, you could say. A crepe? What are you, a, Belgian? A crepe is just a really flat pancake. Um, that don't, I don't think that's how what a crepe is. Okay. Anyway, well, we're, we're, we're running late here. We um, digress. <laughs> we, di- we digress. Uh, what is the future of the women's tag team division? It, it, it's either going to uh, fall flat as a pancake or it's, and, and not be used, or someone backstage is going gonna, is gonna to champion it and realize, hey, we have something here and really try to make it something. And that person was for a while apparently Sasha Banks and Bailey, but obviously they, they got shoved to the wayside and the Iconics are just happy to be there, <laughs> frankly, is what it seems. It seems like they're just happy to be there and they're the champs. Um, and I can't blame them. They're in the best spot for it. But we're not seeing them build up any other real like serious women's tag teams. The Kabuki Warriors, really? Uh, you said you know, it. Either they're going to... Oh, I did, didn't I? Damn it! Uh, either they're going to really put some time and effort into it, or they're, go- they're not going to. You can see what they do when they want to put their time and effort into something, 24-7 title, and how much time it got this week. Um but they're, they're going to have to want to do that. And yep. Vince is notably uh, tunnel vision when it comes to the things he's interested in. What you got this week for Stone Cold and The Rock was his mantra back in the 90s. What you got for Roman Reigns this week is what he's saying right now. Uh, so, 
yeah, the, when Vince starts going, oh, these women tag team titles are pretty exciting, then they'll do something with them. Yeah. Yep. I don't really have much else to add to that. So thank you, Dominic, for that question. Next up, we got Andy. Based on what we saw on Saturday night at Double or Nothing, who, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> had a frog. Oh, my. Ooh, hey, now. That snuck up on me. Has it been two hours already? Whew. Based on what we saw on Saturday night at Double or Nothing, who are the top five heels and faces the company can build the company around? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Well, the top five, now, does he mean like total or like five heels, five faces? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I can pick five of each at this point. Um, yeah, I don't know if, they're, I don't know if there's, it's big enough. I mean, well, well we don't, also don't know if people like Cody or faces or not. You know what I mean? Like Cody kind of walks that mid-ground. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jericho's obviously their biggest heel. Kenny, I think, is probably their biggest face. Yeah. Pa- uh, Hangman Page is another big face. Uh, MJF is a big heel. Um, beyond that, we really don't know where everyone's going to fall. Is is you know is Moxley going to be a heel, a face, or something in between? Jimmy Havoc, same thing. He could go either way. Um, beyond that, uh, you know, it's it's all tag teams, and. Um, you know, we don't know where those are going to fall. We, it was hard to tell who was a, a healer or face with uh, the Bucks and Pentagon and Phoenix. I don't think that yeah. they've really, I don't think that they've really landed on um, some of their people. Like, if they're going to be heels or faces, or if they're just going to be more modern style, which is neither, and you pick during the match, kind of thing. Just be excited to watch these two guys fight. Um, but those would be my my big picks for who's heel and who's face. On the, like the top of the card. Yeah, there's a, there's a few um, that have made themselves obvious. I don't think there's yeah. been enough time to develop that much of a, uh, of a sort of lineage yet uh, you know, down each side of the, of the card. Uh, exactly. There's some obvious ones. MJF is an obvious one. Hangman Page is an obvious one. Jericho is kind of an obvious one. Moxley even, I don't know whether he's going to be a heel or a face. Well, he, not only did he take out Jericho, he took out the ref and he took out uh, Omega as well. In a okay, huge so that's spot some pretty healy shit to do. So we'll we'll peg him as a heel until otherwise noted. But yeah, that's like calling Stone Cold a heel. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he took out everybody. Yeah. That's what Stone Cold used to do, and he was loved for it. So, Great question. Thank you very much, you Andy. Next up, we got and, and Jonathan. good seeing you at the show, Andy. Good ah. seeing you at the show. Next up, we got Jonathan. Uh, this is a general thing. When there's a surprise entrant guest or run in, and it's someone like Moxley or even the Hurricane. <laughs> do you think everyone knows or do they run the risk of performers getting fanboy and botching in the excitement? No, they, they'd be very unprofessional like, if, if they did botch in that situation. Typically, though, everyone who's involved will know. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you know, they'll, they'll have the, the, the people that need to know will know and everyone who doesn't need to know will just react. But you're trained to expect the unexpected in wrestling. Like, you know, these are guys who in the middle of a match will have the match ending changed. Um, so they're, they're used to working on their feet and figuring it out on the go on the fly. So yeah, no, it's, if, if someone botches as, as that result, they're probably not going to be in that company very long. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, and, and especially guys like Jericho had, if Jericho didn't know that Moxley was coming, obviously he knew Moxley, Moxley was coming. Um, but had he not known he'd have been a professional and, and worked with it, Yep. you know, would be stay in character and improvise. That's that's why wrestling's beautiful. I, I think day, uh, I think Jericho, Cody, and the Bucks, and maybe Kenny knew about Moxley coming, and that was probably it. They they did put up some behind the scenes that made it show that it was kept very quiet, almost akin to the uh, the Hardy Boys coming back at Mania. You know, I suspect no one on the lower card knew it. Uh, you know what I mean? It was probably just like I said, the important people. And with some of the really big ones, 
some of the really big like shock surprise when the Hardy yeah the Hardys came back at WrestleMania no one knew no one no one except for the New Day and they were told right before they had to introduce them yeah the New Day thought they were going to go out to the ring so Jonathan thank you very much for the question <laughs> pick up right where we left off guys all right uh, last but certainly not least Chris idea bring back the bragging rights pay per view. I don't know if I would. I might debate that one. But let let come on. Have the, the stakes of the matches be for wild cards, no more random wild cards. Bring back the King of the Ring and give them a shot at world title uh, at a pay per view of their choice. Do Survivor Series with traditional matches. Don't do the cross brand. Eh, okay. Question: okay. What happened to the Kabuki experience after they got their name disappeared? All right. Let's address the first thing first. Now, let's address the second thing first because there's okay. an easier answer to that. What happened to them? They got named and were so ashamed they didn't come out afterwards. <laughs> no, I, I, we talked about this earlier. I have no idea what happened to them. Like, yeah. Where the Kabuki experience? Oh, God. Or the Kabuki warriors? Oh, God. They, want, they wanted that name. <laughs> we too, we just can't thing. stop calling it the Kabuki experience because everything has everything. to be the experience now. Everything's the, the experience Moxley now. Experience. So, uh, the bragging rights pay-per-view and have the stakes be matches for wild cards. I love, I love this. Yeah, no, all of his, everything he said here, I love for one reason. And that is give us stakes that explain why things are happening. Yeah. Don't just have Kevin Owens and Kofi Kingston have a random WrestleMania rematch on SmackDown, which I don't even think we talked about in our SmackDown segment, because to me it was so meaningless. We had a WrestleMania or not a WrestleMania, a, a, a rematch of, of money in the bank. Um, for no reason, it, it, it was purposeless. Uh, how did Kevin Owens get another shot at Kofi Kingston? It wasn't for the belt, but he's like, "Oh, I'll, I'll soften him up for Dolph, Dolph Ziggler at Super uh, Super Showdown." Give us reasons for matches to happen. Give us matches that have outcomes that have meaning. Like, for instance, have a battle royale where the winner gets a title shot at the, being the first champion. Have another match where the winner of that becomes the other. Uh, entrant for the, the future championship and then you have a match with the two guys two of those guys fight for the championship now we have things to be excited about we have stakes and we have reasons to care about these things yeah uh, you know I, I that's one reason why king of the ring was great um until they made it all about wearing a crown and a robe and calling the guy king whatever so yeah i i know i, I actually agree with everything it. he said here <laughs> I, I agree with everything he said here yeah. was, uh, you know, give people matches that have meaning. Yeah, well, I think it's an overarching Period. sentiment. Exactly. Give, reintroduce stakes. Tell us long storylines, right? Just that means something that have outcomes, not just Roman Reigns uh, spearing somebody again. Or not having Roman Reigns be the wild card every week because Roman Reigns. Like, I, oh, I thought Shane hated him. Why is he allowed to be a wild card. How does that process work? How do you apply to be the wild card? Do you just show up? Or is it because yep. you're the first person in there? If so, why isn't everyone coming out right at the top of the show? Explain it to us. How do you become a wild card? Because otherwise, people who are actually here trying to invest in storylines who are older than the age of nine are going to be sitting there just throwing up their hands going, why is this guy a wild card again? So I know, absolutely, I agree. I like have wild card be something that you have to earn or that is explained how you get it. And then you can actually have stories that create value for it and that creates exciting storylines that keep us in invested and involved it makes people actually want to watch your show as opposed to watching the clips on youtube or listening frankly listening to our podcast to get a a, a reader's digest version of it yeah you know as much as i like the fact that they're creating an environment that allows us to thrive because people just want to listen to us for the digest version of it i wish we could all be sitting here going isn't this great this is so exciting we're having such great storytelling so there you right. go i uh, think you're right 
<laughs> Hashtag my wrestling. <laughs> guys, thank you very Hashtag much for the wrestling. questions every single week. Love you guys for it. They help make the show that much more fun here at the end. Thank you to all of, uh, you, all of you for being patrons and supporting us with your hard-earned dollars every single month. It means the world. Thank you. Amen. Uh, but Amen. Ian, we're not done yet. We've just got just enough time for a few pieces of other news in our lightning round. Beep, 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 oh, beep, beep, beep. I got to cut this way down because, dear God, we're behind. Uh, yeah, just other news. Uh, Pac, we know, is off of Fighter Fest as well. AEW is Fighter Fest. He's still not going to drop that. Any, any kind of wins or losses while he's holding that Dragon Gate belt. Uh, they have not announced a replacement. It was supposed to be Pac and Lucha Brothers versus Omega and the Bucks, a.k.a. the Elite, but we do not have his replacement yet. Uh, not sure who is going to be. Uh, we also know that Lars Sullivan versus Lucha House Party is going to be at uh, an actual match. Lars is going to have his first actual match on the main roster at Super Showdown. Oh, boy. Uh, the excitement is palpable. And uh, just one last note, Kofi Kingston is currently home in his home country of Ghana. And I recommend searching the internet for videos of him being home in Ghana. It's like the most wholesome thing you'll see this week. Um, aside from Riho slapping Minoru Suzuki when she was a small child. <laughs> just really wholesome. Or MJF tearing down Stone Cold. Uh, or MJF. Oh, that's not wholesome. That's just amazing. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, so, yeah. So, everybody, that is the show this week. Thank you for sticking around. We know we ran a little bit long, but it's because there was so much to talk about. Uh, we got Super Showdown coming up soon. We've got TakeOver this weekend. We'll have a recap show for that. Uh, we've also got the Battle of the Best of Super Juniors finals coming up. More AEW news is coming out every week. And we're live again. We're live on YouTube, Nick. We're live on YouTube. That means we're going to be doing this every Thursday at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern, so come back and check us out on youtube.com forward slash busted wide open. Yes, guys, that's our show. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, you can also come over and join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. It is the hub of our operation and where we have all the funds uh, every single week with threads for every single WWE show. There's probably going to be more of those getting introduced soon as we make this show more and more and more interactive. Look for live chats this weekend for TakeOver Maybe, potentially, if we feel like it, we'll do one for Super Showdown just so we can make fun of it and point and laugh at them. Just so you guys can keep me awake. Right. <laughs> keep me awake during Ian, this. Ian will go through an entire bottle and a half of tequila during the show. It'll be a good time. That's uh, not a prediction. That's a spoiler. <laughs> you can also follow us over on Twitter at BWO Podcast as well as Instagram. Same thing there at BWO Podcast. And, of course, if you want to get in and support this show, get access to some special perks, swag, bonus episodes, all kinds of stuff, patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of our awesome reward tiers over there. It really helps us keep things going here, and uh, it means the world to us. So we thank you for that. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.